Hello everyone and welcome back to the Overmanga Cast. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga, our heated adventures, overanalyzing manga that we find interesting. And at last, No Read November has come to an end. I think we should ring in December with a breather episode. This week we're reviewing Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, chapters 45 through 69. Nice. Covering the rehabilitative training and Mugen Train arcs. If you haven't read that far or haven't seen the movie spoilers ahead and enjoy the episode hello everyone and welcome once again to the over manga cast my name is sam and uh, as always we talk about our familiarity with the franchise here at the top of the episode though considering this is another one of our part twos you could probably just go back and look at our previous episode on uh, Demon Slayer in order to know that. But as a recap, uh, I started watching the anime after the much beloved episode 19 dropped and the entire Internet screamed about it for a while. And I'm like, yeah, once again, I'm late to the party. This is quality. And uh, ever since then, I've been a big fan. I've seen the Mugen Train movie. I've uh, twice now. And uh <laughs> have been reading the manga in accordance with the necessity of the podcast. How about you, Jake? Um, I'm actually a bit different from last time because I finally actually caught up with a small amount of Demon Slayer anime. Um, the uh, second time Sam saw uh, Mugen Train was when um, he, myself, and another friend of ours uh, happened to get together and just watch the uh, Mugen Train movie just, you know, as a as a thing to do while hanging out. So uh, I have finally seen Demon Slayer in motion. Uh, still working on that anime that I need to watch, but uh, <laughs> I'll get the right streaming service eventually. It's on Netflix. It's not hard. I know. <laughs> I know that now. <laughs> anyway, uh, how about you, Matt? Um, yeah, so my experience with Demon Slayer is I have seen the anime up to the Mugen Train movie. Um, I have not seen the Mugen Train part of the anime. I think it's just the movie cut up. I don't know. I'm just speaking completely without any uh, knowledge on the subject. So. And Jay, uh, your familiarity with Demon Slayer, how much has it changed since our last episode? Um, not too much um, since our last episode um, did uh, see Mugen Train. Uh, when it was in theaters. And um, aside from that, though, uh, same old. All right. So now that we are all caught up, uh, let us continue on our demon slaying journey. When we last left our heroes, they had gotten completely rinsed by the demons of Natagumo Mountain and uh, were only saved by the sudden fortuitous appearance of the Hashira. And now uh, Tanjiro and Nezuko have been brought before uh, all of the Hashira in order to judge uh, if the you know, the, the demon girl should live. And all the Hashira seem to be of the same opinion. Nah, nah. Yeah, and we we also find that uh, all but like one and a half of the Hashira are like extraordinarily quirky. They're really weird, yeah. They're, they're all extremely quirky. Yeah, that's how you become a Hashira because you have to be memorable. So they give all of them like Various quirks and whatnot. 
you have to be a weirdo in some way. Like we have the flame Hashira, Kyojiro Rengoku, who is always like bug eyed and yelling and <laughs> very excited. You might even say he's fired up all the time. I think and that's partially due to the um the idea of like in order to make it this far, there has to be something a little off with you. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why that's why I don't frame that comment as a complaint, because in all honesty, I was expecting the Hashira to be more like Giyu, because Giyu is the normal one as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the normal one who apparently has no friends. Like, I, <laughs> I think the thing about Giyu is he is calm to the point of, like, being weird. Yeah. yeah. The thing, like, he gets made fun of by other people, which I think we can at least take like into account. other Hashira make fun of him, and it's so mean. This is why you, well, I think that's just her, the butterfly girl. Is yeah, just, this is why you have no friends. She's so yeah. demure, but so savage sometimes. Shinobu is, uh, she's interesting. We'll, we'll get into her character in a little bit because I have, I have comments about her, but I'll save that mm-hmm. for when it actually comes up. We have a few more Hashira, like um, sound the sound Hashira, who's very stylish. We have uh, Watermelon Wife, the, the love Hashira. <laughs> Uh, we've got just a whole bunch of friggin' weirdos, and the, based- the snake Hashira is also relatively normal. Yeah, as well, he's like any person who owns a snake. You think they're normal, and then they start then talking he- about their snake. <laughs> he's just kind of an edgy boy. He's edgy, but not super edgy. I don't think he realizes he's being edgy. I just think he's just withdrawn. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and again, it uh, you know. You have to be you have to be screwed up to survive in a world like this fighting demons. I was expecting the Hashira to be more like subtle, like something's off crazy, like you and the snake Hashira, as opposed to people who are just like completely off the rails. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, what we get introduced to them is uh, Tanjiro getting woken up and um, by a kick to the face, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the conclusion has been he is working with a demon. Uh, he is. They seem split on whether or not Tanjiro should be executed. But w- the one thing they are absolutely sure of is uh, Nezuko needs to die because she is a monster mm-hmm. in a monster box. Yes. Uh, Tanjiro, however, is not willing to accept this. Uh Uh, reiterating over and over again that Nezuko has not consumed any human flesh and indeed fights against demons and you know she should be spared. Giyu making the the vote not unanimous is the only reason it's a discussion but the Hashira have already decided as a Mm -hmm. as a group. Yeah but I mean and this is explored in greater depth or at least mentioned throughout the source material that the whole reason is obviously demons are you know, the, the reasoning for everything being thrown into chaos its the demons. So demon equals bad, full stop. There's no further consideration from it. All of them have individually suffered at the hands of demons, either family, friends, their entire village. Everything has been uprooted by demons. Or they themselves. Yes. So it's kind of like demons are just bad. There is no there's no reason to discuss this, guys. Open and shut. <laughs> and in all... F- fairness like even in the meta context like there is like pretty definitive answers that yes demons are just bad nezuko is an exception with the addition of those two other demons the doctor and her apprentice but they also said we used to be bad until we removed lord muzin's curse from us but the demon slayers don't know about them yeah it's the master who knows about them 
I mean, for good reason. <laughs> yeah, because they would then immediately go kill them. Yeah. And I honestly think that it's the Hashira's personal experience with demons that is more of the thing that is um, making them unwilling to accept uh, the way that Nezuko is. 100%. Because it's not even necessarily just what the demons did to them, to their family and their loved ones or what they did to themselves personally. They have been going up against demons for their entire careers as Hashira. Um basically mm-hmm. their adult lives and for some of them since uh some of the hashira positions are have a dynastic element to them literally since the day they were born they were told about demons and what demons do and how they act and every experience that any hashira has had up to this point with a demon has always been the exact same thing so why would on the say so of one you know random low B member of the core uh would they would they suddenly decide that this is the one exception to the rule especially considering the familial connection between Tanjiro and Nezuko that's ultimately the reason why Nezuko is able to fight off the instincts but also that would be a perfectly good reason for Tanjiro to lie about her being exactly. able to fight off and, and that's why he's met with some sympathy they're like oh I totally understand why you don't want her to- she's your sister I totally understand that but she's bad well, mm-hmm. most of them are sympathetic. Then there's, um, I forget which of the Hashira he is, but the dude with the scars. The wind Hashira. I would never have gotten, have after seeing him, never would have connected wind. <laughs> <laughs> he, he very easily could have been the crazy sword breathing form Hashira because... Uh, he could, if someone had told me he was the shark Hashira, I would have believed that 100%. Yes. I, I think the aesthetic they're going for is the, like, wild and destructive winds of, like, hurricanes. Hmm. And he, he's covered in so many scars. I have no doubt that when we eventually see this guy fight, he'll just swing his blade in such a wild way he cuts himself and doesn't even care. Yeah, his actions to try to prove that Netsuko's just like all the rest kind of goes down that route, cuts himself without any any thought, really. After stabbing through the box, which incites uh, Tanjiro to attack him and uh, using the ancient Kamado family technique of the headbutt, <laughs> he manages to land a solid blow and bloody the Hashira's nose, partly because Giyu distracted the guy. But I like the uh, author's note at the end of this chapter, which clarifies that this is not the full lethal headbutt Tanjiro normally uses against enemies. This is the spinning headbutt, which is more destructive, but less lethal. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty great yeah i i, I love uh the Commodo family technique but um the master of the demon slayer core arrives to calm all this chaos and boy he's an interesting one i'm like i'm like 75 percent sure he's also a demon there's some weird nonsense going on with him. <laughs> See, the only thing that makes me think he's not a demon is that he wanders around in sunlight like all the time. Well, demons, we, we, we do see him in sunlight a couple of times. Okay. Um, but um, the thing is, well, actually, in the movie, we definitely see him in sunlight. But now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think he might always be under the shade of the that's that's oh, yeah. how I remember. He's always under the shade of something. That might be a difference between the movie and the manga. Either way, I don't think he's full demon. I think he might have some like weird corruption thing going on. That's yeah. Because yeah. what I was what I was going to mention is um, 
uh, demons uh, shouldn't be able to go in sunlight because it should burn them into nothingness. But also, demons shouldn't be able to fight their instincts of wanting to eat human flesh. And we have at least three characters who break that rule. So, you know, mm-hmm. the Demon Slayer yeah. Corps being led by someone who is at least part demon themselves because they know what the Demon Slayer Corps is up against makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and the Master has some sort of weird scarification on his forehead like that goes down to cover and blind his eyes uh he's often talking about how he's uh sick and going to die soon which yes that's that's another one of those ones where it's like there's definitely something i i might be thinking too much about it but i'm like there's something about that that i don't necessarily like trust that it's as it's it's not even necessarily that I don't trust the character because I'm not like I, I wouldn't predict personally that like he's really evil all along or anything like that. Like I, I don't it wouldn't totally stun me if he um uh, face heel turned. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he reveals that like he is at great sacrifice. Very, very, very much a good guy like like and anywhere in between wouldn't. Uh, particularly surprised me because like this is a, this is a character that's very good about building the mystique around him because you like there's something more about him that you can't quite put your finger on the one weird thing i might have misread this but i i think one of the author inserts at the end of one of the chapters confirms that those like weird doll children there's seven of them and those are all his children Mm -hmm. Of which there are six girls and one boy. The boy looks identical to all the girls. Yeah, yeah. yeah, The boy was was raised as a girl until like age 12. Because he was so meek. Mm -hmm. But like they confirmed they're his like direct children. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, So he has biological children or is he just taking in like orphans? They all look identical. They all look the same to each other and to him. But then again, we never did actually uh, parse out what was going on with Muzan's yeah. supposed kids. So, <laughs> I mean, if you, if you didn't know what was going on with Muzan last reading, you definitely don't know what's going on <laughs> yeah. with this one. <laughs> we'll it's keeping to you that. on your toes. <laughs> but yes, um, the, ma- the head of the core, uh, Kagaya Ubayashiki, uh, he proposes a test and has the wind Hashira or, well, he doesn't really propose the test, but the wind Hashira is like, I will show you master. And yeah, cause all he says, all he says is that, um, if you could provide proof, I would believe you. Mm-hmm. And so the wind Hashira brings Nezuko into the shade where, you know, she won't burn up in the sunlight, brings her out of the box and, you know, has, he stabbed her several times. So she's losing blood and that should mean her demon instincts want to consume flesh even more to regenerate. And also it's pissing, it's pissing Nezuko off because mm-hmm. like getting stabbed yeah. isn't generally fun. <laughs> yeah. And then he slices his own arm pretty good. And he's like, Hey demon, look how tasty it is. I even opened a vein for you. So you got some sauce there. You want to, you want to, bite me and Nezuko's like no I don't want your stank ass blood (laughs) and I really like there's actually this doesn't happen in the anime so I actually really appreciated the manga doing this but there like Nezuko does have a moment of like she's staring at the blood she's obviously salivating and we see like her inner thoughts in this and she and it's her saying that people are to be helped and protected. I cannot hurt them. I must never hurt them. And it's like flashes of all the people she cares about and remembers, you know, mostly her family. 
And that's when she uh, summons the willpower to turn away. And I really appreciated that. Getting to see some of uh, Nezuko's inner resolve. It also gave me flashbacks to the hypnotism that I remembered was then retconned the next chapter. (laughs) So I was like, yep, glad they walked that back. Yeah, it's very much it's very much the case where like this is the uh, like less creepy version of that, where it's like she's like intentionally drawing upon it rather than she's being controlled. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I don't want to stir up that discussion again, but it was always my interpretation that this was something the hypnosis was something that she willingly agreed to. Well, yeah. And and that was actually what that whole conversation was when it was initially introduced. That was not even implied, but the the series has thankfully walked it back to it being something that is more uh, like that gives Nez- Nezuko more agency in that. And this yeah. scene does a good job of illustrating that element. Yes. This is a, another thing that gets kind of confirmed at this point, um, or I think it might have get gotten confirmed at the very beginning of the next part. But like it wasn't very clear that Nezuko had had Muzin's curse removed. And then the like manga in panel like outright states, no, she has had that curse removed. Mm-hmm. That was something that I feel like they did a good job really elaborating on in the anime. Because I remember it being like very explicitly, we've healed her, we've removed her curse. Whereas in the manga, it was kind of buried. Manga under a definitely lot of it. doesn't tell you that until yeah. they do yeah. an exposition dump at the end of this arc, which we'll get into when we get to there. But um, yeah, yeah. As much as I appreciate the manga showing us more of like Nezuko's character, um, we'll talk about some of the pacing issues later. Uh, the, the important part is the master says, OK, good enough for me. Uh, Nezuko is allowed to live and uh, Tanjiro can stay in the Demon Slayer core. Now get out of here. I got to talk to the Hashira. Do they not at, at the point kind of highlight um, you and um, Shinobu? The other guy. No, the, the, the master of Tanjiro and Gyu, Um They send oh, a Oral letter. Tadaki. Yeah, they send a letter Tadaki. where they vouch for um, Nezuko to the point that if she does attack a demon, they will commit seppuku as uh, attack a human. Uh, yeah. yeah so she, if she attacks, it, does anything against a human, they are culpable. Yeah. So they're, they're vouching for her. Officially. Which is where um, Shark Hashira comes forward with like, I don't care. Someone will already be dead. You dying after that isn't going to stop that. I want to stop this problem before it's a problem. And I'm like, fair take, actually. Like, yeah. Yeah, fair take. His methods are arguably overboard, but like the Hashira's the the concern of the Hashira in general is perfectly reasonable because as we stated, every experience they've ever had with demons before says that what what Tanjiro was saying is actually impossible. I mean, like full mm-hmm. honesty. What would I believe if I were in like the Hashira's shoes? Like, would I believe somebody actually found a demon that was able to fight her programming and be a good person? Or having fought demons all my life, would I be more likely to believe some demon has some form of mind control power? What is using on a human to protect her so that she can then get more deep? Like... The second mm-hmm. one is just so much more likely because that's literally the motivation of at least three other like major antagonists. Yes, including one that we uh, see in this reading. Well, even more so um, what I if I was a Hashira in this situation, because like obviously Nezuko is, you know, relatively weak and, and stuck in the box and not like actively doing stuff like my my interpretation would be, oh, 
He's locking her in the box because he thinks she won't attack anyone, but she's not really under control. She's basically, you know, she's a guard dog that you have on a very short chain. Like she hasn't hurt anyone because you haven't given her the opportunity to like. Yeah, that mm -hmm. that's that's and and some of the Hashira even basically imply that it's like those people who have pet tigers like, oh, my tiger loves me. They've never hurt me. You've never given them the opportunity to. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the master's like, yep, good enough for me. Nezuko gets to live. Tanjiro gets to stay in the Demon Slayer core. Now get out of here. I need to talk to the Hashira. Oh, and uh, give Lady Tamiyo my regards, which is another indication that the master knows a lot, way more than he's uh, letting on and also really helps to explain why he's ready to believe uh, with just that little bit of proof that Nezuko is good. He's seen some stuff. Oh, so yeah. He's like, I've seen just about anything. So, yeah, I'll believe it, especially if two of my guys are willing to vouch for it. Yep, that's probably true. But, you know, to convince the rest of my team. Yeah, as long as you have proof, then I'll accept it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh like get skipped over in a lot of shonen battle manga uh our protagonists need to spend three months in the hospital uh-huh because <laughs> uh remember Tanjiro uh spent all of Natakumo mountain with uh several broken bones before Rui beat the shit out of him Hold I I I officially do not care about Tanjiro and Inosuke's uh illnesses Zenitsu doesn't have arms currently <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he has to drink that disgusting medicine. Yeah. So our main characters have been taken to um, Shinobu's butterfly mansion for some medicinal treatment and rehabilitative training. Mm -hmm nice of them. Yeah, uh, I, I do love the little reunion scene of all the main characters because <laughs> Tanjiro hears the screaming and is like, oh, yep, that's Zenitsu. <laughs> and he's very apologetic for Inosuke because he's like, I said I'd come back and help you with that fight, but I got in a, involved in another really big fight. And I, I, I'm so glad you're OK. And, <laughs> and Inosuke is just I have lost the ability to scream. I no longer have a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because he got his throat crushed by Big Daddy Spider. <laughs> yep. yep. For it, it, like for the kind of uh, like stock character Inosuke would be in so many other series. The fact that he like he has his own arcs. He really does. We see a lot of uh, character out of Inosuke in this reading. The range that we get to see from Inosuke for a character that in a lesser series, he would just be like a, a funny sidekick character is really is really appreciated. Mm -hmm. I also love the the page that's diagnosing all our main characters with their problems. It's like Tanjiro, multiple cuts and abrasions and sprains and broken muscles all er, and broken bones and pulled muscles all over his body. Zenitsu, a horrible spider venom that's shrunk his limbs. Inosuke, crushing trauma to the Larynx and vocal cords. Nezuko, lack of sleep. <laughs> and she looks very grouchy about it in the panel. It's adorable. Nezuko is sleepy. Sleepy. Yeah. After some time to uh, rest and recover, they get on their uh, rehab training, which um, Tanjiro and Inosuke are the ones who are well enough to go to at first. So Zenitsu is still staying behind, taking his medicine, slowly getting his limbs back. And he's really scared of this rehab training because uh, the, the others keep coming back looking entirely shattered. They're uh, worn out, exhausted, 
demoralized and they don't even want to talk about it. They just fall into bed and go back to sleep. So Zenitsu is so terrified. What hideous uh, regiment are they putting us through? <laughs> and then he's finally well enough to uh, to go see. Yep. And uh, so it's important to note that Butterfly Mansion is mostly staffed by uh, young women who seem to be Shinobu's various apprentices as they all have the similar butterfly garb going on. They all have the black hair and a ponytail and a butterfly hairpiece, which makes uh, differentiating them very hard for me, at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, I, it comes down to there are three of them that are basically one character and then three of them who are individual characters who thankfully have different clothes. So mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, the oh, by the way, uh, Murata was also all right. The, the <laughs> no name NPC from the mountain. He got out alive. <laughs> he got half a page <laughs> to be like, yep, he made it. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> but um, the rehab training involves uh, massages to loosen up their stiff muscles, uh, reflex training where they have to uh, grab the cup before the other person and the person who gets it gets to splash the other person in the face. And mm-hmm. it's a cup of um, topical e- ointment that so, like, stinks really bad. So like so getting splashed is good for you, but also very humiliating. And then uh, the last bit of the training is uh, full body training that you, they play tag. <laughs> and Zenitsu's like, hold on a second. Wait a minute. You guys have been coming back looking like looking like you you went through like saw challenges looking like you went through hell when you've been getting massages and getting tackled by pretty girls. What are you on about? You weaklings, (laughs) you fools. This is the best physical therapy ever. And you made me terrified of this. (laughs) They're like, no, you don't understand. These girls keep kicking our asses. I don't care. I'm going to enjoy it regardless. I love how he's so mad. He's like, I need I need a minute. Do you have a question? No, I I just need to talk with the guys. Come on. And he drags them off into the hallway and like beats them up like you idiot. You bastards. How dare you? The thing. And again, this is one of those ones where like, you know, I should find Zenitsu annoying, but I can't because like he puts his money where it, where his mouth is. The massage is not a nice, pleasant spa massage. It's like a physical therapy massage that's, you know. Yeah, it's not like nice, comfortable massages. It's like they're really rough rub downs and, you know, getting your shoulders pulled back. And it, it looks agonizing, but Zenitsu's just laughing through the whole. <laughs> He's still very happy about it. The um uh the tag is, oh, it's it's humiliating to lose to girls, but Zenitsu is still getting in close physical contact with girls so he's fine with it and um he keeps winning at the reflex training and grabbing the girls hands and white knighting and not throwing the drinks <laughs> in their face yeah yeah the, the the one thing that zanitsu is different from the other two is he's actually successful with the little uh reflex training thing Be- i i assume because lightning mm-hmm. breathing well to be fair he also doesn't go up against uh kano in that and that's true who uh she is um the direct apprentice of shinobu and so she is the most powerful of uh <laughs> of all these girls and she's completely unbeatable in all the various challenges they can't hold down any of the cups she grabs they can't manage to grab a cup in time to to drench her and they absolutely cannot catch her during tag which is really rough on an osuke <laughs> <laughs> he, he's not used to losing this much. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zenitsu is just like, I did good. 
I accept this. <laughs> I am in heaven. <laughs> Once again, it, it like, you know, I was saying this about Inosuke, but it actually goes double for Zenitsu because a badly written Zenitsu would be like absolutely infuriating and in, intolerable. But like he doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. I, I appreciate that about him. When Zenitsu needs to step up, he steps up and is competent because he's trying to impress women. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, like, and like, that's the cool thing. I want Zenitsu to build the confidence that he needs so that he can be as cool as he wants to be because he's totally got the potential. <laughs> really makes you root yeah, for him. Indeed. But it gets to the point where like Inosuke's too depressed from all the losing and Zenitsu has had his fun. So now Tanjiro is the only one showing up to rehab training and uh, three of the girls, the three smallest ones, they've taken a real shine to Tanjiro because they're impressed by his uh, determination. And they're like, hey, have you tried doing total concentration breathing 24 hours a day? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, morning, noon and night, even while you sleep. I, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> oh, no, it's totally possible. Actually, it's a pretty basic technique. It's like the only way you can become a Hashira. What? Why did uh, no one tell me this? <laughs> why did Orokodaki not mention th- that's my question? Why did Orokodaki not mention this? <laughs> but anyway, well, I mean, it's it's because it's basic for when you're training to be a Hashira, not basic for actually basic. Yeah, not basic for just becoming a demon slayer. The people in this mansion have a pretty skewed view of what normal is because mm-hmm. they live with a Hashira. I mean, I've got some theories about why this happened, but I think it's better to talk about during the next part where it becomes a little more obvious. But yeah, but uh, Tanjiro's like, I, I just can't doing total concentration breathing even for a single attack is really straining. I feel like my heart's going to explode. I know what I need. Cardio. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So he starts waking up super early every morning to do cardio workouts. Rocky theme starts playing. Yeah. In order to strengthen his heart and lungs to the point where he can pull it off. And then uh, the girls are like, all right. Yeah, cool. That's a good way to do it. By the way, here's another training implement. And they hand him an empty gourd. And he's like, what do I do with this? Oh, you blow into it and try to make it explode. Explode just with my breath? Yeah. That'd be really hard. This is a pretty hardy gourd. Oh, that's a beginner's gourd. What? Yeah. Pulls out one the size of their torso. This is the one that you're, this is the actual one you have to break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the one that Kano is working on. What? Uh, oh, there's a lot of great reaction images of Tanjiro going, what? <laughs> he's, he's so very confused. <laughs> I can't blame him. This arc has a lot of great reaction images anyway, because the majority of the arts actually got like a really sketchy quality to it. And like people are just constantly reacting to absurd situations. So they've got like a lot of fun, like facial designs. Mm-hmm. And uh, it actually has one of my favorite scenes where um, Tanjiro, uh, Zenitsu and uh, Inosuke do like weird Jojo's walking into frame. But because the art's so sketchy, it looks like <laughs> one from One Punch Man. Yeah. With Jojo's pose. Yeah, it's when Tanjiro is trying to show the guys how to do total concentration uh, constant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like Tanjiro actually sucks at teaching. So but we do have a, a scene that I enjoy, which is uh, Tanjiro is doing some late night meditation to work on his breathing powers. And uh, finally, for the first time in all this uh, recovery at her own house, Shinobu decides to show up. Oh, my God. I loved this scene because... The immediate impression you get from Shinobu, at the very least that I got from Shinobu, was she enjoys killing demons a little bit too much. 
Mm-hmm. Like she has a very threatening atmosphere to her. Like her smile is fake. She also seems to take a very perverse joy and pride in the fact that she developed a poison that can kill demons very painfully. <laughs> this scene, the way it's initially framed is nice boy Tanjiro is not reading the red flags of Shinobu's personality, even though she's an obvious technical good guy. Mm-hmm. Not actually, you know, good person. And then, you know, there is the moment where Tanjiro mentions that he smelled the sadness, but like the anger. He asks her, um, are are you not feeling all right? Are you uh like stressed or something? He's asking her if she's angry because she yeah. always smells of anger. He's picking up vibes and he has like the initiative to go up to her and say, Hey, are you okay? Cause what your face is showing and what I'm smelling isn't lining up. Mm-hmm. Which uh, Tanjiro, just some advice, not the greatest opener going up to a woman and saying, hey, you smell off. And also you've got kind of a mean face like that. Probably not going to work well for you in the long run. <laughs> Look, he's just trying to be helpful. <laughs> but anyway, um, I really liked this moment because I'm sitting here like this is obviously a character who's going to turn into an antagonist at some point in the future. She's never going to accept Nezuko. There's probably going to have to be a fight between her and Tanjiro at some point. And then this scene happens and it so completely humanizes her. And it's like, yes, you did pick up that she's two-faced and that her smile was exactly as fake as you thought it was. But it's not because she's a manga trope antagonist character. It's because of what she's gone through. And like I said, mm-hmm. there's that element of Tanjiro smells this rather than it being a more realistic kind of human, you know, human connection intuition, which, you know, that's Demon Slayer for you. That's part of the charm. But like there, there's that element of um, she's not a character trope trope it it humanizes her because she has those trope elements because of her life experiences and now suddenly i'm not really scared of her anymore i'm not scared that she's gonna like stab nezuko in the back or something and there's gonna be some like plot arc where we need to save her from shinobu's poison or something like it does such a good job of taking such a tropey character and making her so real and so relatable Mm -hmm. and the thing about shinobu is she and her sister were members of the demon slayer core long ago and shinobu's sister was kind of like Tanjiro, always a very kind person who felt sympathy for the demons and wanted to find a way to help them in some small way until she was killed by one. And in her final words, she begged her sister to not lose that sunny disposition and to try to find a way to uh, help the demons. And so Shinobu has spent years trying her best to do that. But every time a demon fails to live up to that, it makes the anger a little harder. It makes her a little more cynical. And then she meets Tanjiro and Nezuko. And she's like, huh, I guess it is possible. And uh, it doesn't like turn around her issues right away. But she says um, she even says that she doesn't particularly trust Nezuko yet, but she's willing to give it a chance. When I think that you're succeeding at my sister's dream, it soothes my anger. And it's it is real good scene. I like it a lot. I like Shinobu. She's good character. Yeah, I was just going to comment that um, Shinobu's inner conflict with herself is why it seems why she feels confident in putting forward a face that does not necessarily send the message of how she's feeling internally um she kind of just wants to hold up the memory of her sister and just try to live up to her ideals but inside without being able to fully acknowledge the fact that 
I haven't seen where she's able to acknowledge that I want to do best by my sister, but I also need the time to grieve in my own way in order to resolve some of that, you know, unresolved anger, because at no point is she acknowledging we are separate people, Mm. but Mm -hmm. I can still, you know, do good by my sister while acknowledging that I am not my sister. I see this potentially spiraling out where she's not like, she's living too much in her sister's shadow to where she also needs to take care of herself. Which actually kind of ties into her apprentice as well. Um, Like Tanjiro like outright uh, mentions to her directly, you should do what is in your heart. You should act on your own volition. Yeah, because you kind of gives me the signs that she's falling too much and I have to be my sister and you're not. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know, your scent is giving those conflicting messages because you're not... You're not happy smiley all the time. That's not you're who not, you really and that's, are. And that's fine. You like, should be true to yourself and violently murder all demons regardless. <laughs> oh, wait, actually, hold on. <laughs> hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. So you're all on that part. <laughs> Finding the healthy medium is also an important part. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a really great scene because it basically you go from being scared of what Shinobu is going to do when the murder smile comes out and really sympathizing with the fact that she is forcing herself to wear that fake smile and you want to see her be better. You know, if she had if she's because in the flashback, she seemed to have, you know, normal expression where she wasn't smiling all the time. And Mm -hmm. I think it was her sister who was smiling. And I'm just like. So you adapted the smiling as a mask to cover your grief and body your sister, but you're not your sister. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I understand why she does it, but I mean, it's obviously not healthy. And she's trying to keep her sister alive how she can. Mm-hmm. Yes. But in the long run, I don't know how healthy it will be to internalize not only the obvious hurt and pain that you're experiencing, but also the fact that you're trying to live up to something that is just so juxtaposed to your natural disposition. You can always strive to be better, but to live up to the same standard of someone else who obviously just had a different outlook than you did. I mean, in all fairness, like any crutch you use to get through grief is never healthy in the long term. Like that's yeah. why they're crutches. <laughs> but and I mean, like this was this honestly, this conversation was a big and rather important step for Shinobu because it kind of feels like it's the first time she's acknowledged it. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else has ever picked up on the fact that it's a mask and that she's actually hurting it in conflict with herself. I think Gyu picks up on the fact it's a mask, but he's, she's just so like brutally mean to him. She's so mean to him. He's not going to help her. He can't. He probably internalizes it as just like, oh, she really hates me. <laughs> and, and, and Gyu is like not the kind of guy to reach out. Gyu seems like the kind of guy who could notice that sort of thing, but not who would actually do something about it. He's like, I'm not getting involved. Not not involved. <laughs> Gyu seems like the kind of guy who'd be like, Shinobu, you look like you're really mad and dealing with some stuff. Here, chew on this bamboo rod for the next four books. <laughs> <laughs> how, how have you not attained perfect calm like I have? Seriously. <laughs> oh, bad. <laughs> Just watch. You didn't do anything. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we, we briefly mentioned her apprentice because Tanjiro also has a pretty good um, talk with her where she's flipping a coin to decide whether or not she should talk to people. And he, he steals the coin, flips it, saying you're going to do whatever you want because she essentially says, I prefer following other people's orders. It's just easier that way. I don't like mm-hmm. making my own decisions. So Tanjiro makes the decision for her to follow what she wants to do. And she's yeah. like, I don't. I felt about that. I mean, obviously, it's great if you could, you know, quote unquote, just 
tell someone to get over it. But there's a whole backstory as to why she did that. Yeah, it's in juxtaposition with his talk with Shinobu, which is like really opening up and having a deep dialogue. Yeah. Uh, the talk with the apprentice is much more Tanjiro just makes people good by being so pure. And I'm like, oh, OK, but we just had a talk that was a lot deeper than this. <laughs> yeah, the girl obviously needs some like really in-depth therapy to work past this and get the confidence that she needs inside. To You're not getting therapy in the Demon Slayer core. I know, That's true. but I'm nope. just saying like I understood where they were trying to take it plot wise but I did not agree with like it's it, dealing with mental health and trauma is not. Oh, I just decided you can just do it. <laughs> I actually got a different interpretation because in all honesty, I sort of read that as Tanjiro's good boyness, not always solving problems, because I don't really get the impression that like she's better now. She seemed more confused than anything else. No, I'm, I don't mean like as a cure. I meant it's kind of like someone who is dealing with their own mental turmoil. And you're just saying like his message was, I believe in you and I think you should be able to make your own decisions. Yes. But then, I mean, he takes her coin and says, yeah. do whatever you want. I I, I should re-clarify. I think I originally phrased what I was saying is like this was a meta problem with the plot being put up together. I think I what I was saying is this is Tom okay. Harrow can't just heal everything. And mm. the fact that these are two placed right next to each other, it's just like, well, he does so much worse in this other conversation. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah and I, I I appreciated that juxtaposition because like that it, that does kind of go back to what Tanjiro's character flaw is, is that you can't just like hammer away at a problem until it goes away with a positive attitude that just doesn't work sometimes. That's, you know, life is messier and more complicated than that. You can't just see Muzan on the street and, and challenge him to single combat that, you know, mm -hmm. and you can't just take someone's security blanket away and tell them to be better. That doesn't work either. See, you didn't need these crutches. You can walk story, on your own. Like, does he examine her backstory or is that just for the readers? Because that's something because obviously she goes into he probably the smelled it. <laughs> he smelled him. That's just their answer to everything. He smells everything. So I, I can't remember because it's been a bit since our last reading. Was the omnipresent narrator always there? Because the omnipresent narrator gets a lot of dialogue in our reading. The omnipresent narrator was, in fact, always there, but it has been showing up more and more often. And not just in the sense of um, since last time, but like it was very rare in the first section, mostly rare in the second section. And now here it's used a lot. <laughs> in this reading, he is essentially a like third character. Like it's uh, we'll we'll get to it when we get into the Mugen train arc. but. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So at the boys are all healed up. They got their new toys delivered by the swordsmiths. Um, I, I love this scene because uh, swordsmith not happy. <laughs> he's not happy at all. What do you mean you broke the blade I made for you? I'm sorry, the demon was really strong. No, you weren't strong enough. And he chases him around for what is it like an hour? Yes, <laughs> insanely long period of time. Oh, and then we also have the wonderful moment of. Uh, Inosuke oh, getting new blades. Yeah, Inosuke's is the one that I feel the most pain, pain for. for the artisan. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> the artisan is in the middle of like, oh yeah, I was really excited. I've never actually gotten to work on a pair of twin blades for a dual sword user before. This is actually really, I'm really happy with how they came out. And Inosuke hears this, is not listening, and starts taking a rock to them to give them jacket edges. <laughs> That's <laughs> to give better. them serrations. Yeah. <laughs> And Tanjiro has to hold him back. 
<laughs> to prevent him from strangling an escape. Who's like, what? What do you? What? What happened? Audacity to do it right in front of him too. He's very proud with how they look too. He's just like, yeah. What? Why would I? these are He's awesome now? Now, <laughs> yeah. That's better. Uh, so yeah, gang's all healed up. They're off on the next adventure. Everything's good, right? Now it's time for girly moves on. Yeah, yeah. This uh, this this part happened. So. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, okay, <laughs> I I have a meta theory about this. I I also have a meta theory about I'm this. Ready for it. I think we might be on the same wavelength here, Matt. Is um the mangaka introduced the twelve Kizuki, introduced mm-hmm. all the Hashira, and then it's like, crap! I created too many antagonists. <laughs> I got the feeling that this chapter happened right after an, a meeting with an editor mm-hmm. because. It's a short bit. Essentially, what happens is Muzin says, I am unhappy with how the lower six are so weak and worthless and they are never good and they have never done anything. And I'm like, you created this system, so it's kind of not there. It does a great job of showing Muzin as a petulant child who's a coward, which Mm -hmm. was my theory when we talked about him originally. This makes it very clear that's who he is. Never, never accepts, you know, fault or anything. I am perfect. How dare you question me? How dare you talk back to me? There are two different demons, one of whom uh, disagrees with Muzan's assessment and Muzan kills him for it. And then there's another demon who agrees that you're right. You did make a mistake in making the lower keys. Are you questioning my ability to make decisions and then kills that one? too? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes no sense. Don't don't try to reason with them. You just won't know. Of the lower six, the only one who survives is the sleep demon who simps so hard. Yeah, he, he essentially just goes, oh, Lord Muzan, you're so amazing. I'm glad you left me last so I could witness your de- the deaths of my comrades. And now I can feel the sweet release because you are the best and everything you do is perfect. And Muzan's just like, I will give you one more try. You may have some more of your blood and this will increase your power tenfold. L- Lord Muzan, if you just needed to give a simple drop of your blood to make weak people strong, wouldn't that have solved your problem? Shut up. Do not question me. <laughs> and, and like, I'm reading this and I'm I'm enjoying it because it's good art. It's good combat. But the back of my head, I'm just constantly like, so you created 12 antagonists, realized that was too big a number and just killed six of them off screen saying this institution that has lasted for decades, hundreds of years, hundreds of years. You have now decided is too big and cut yes. it in half. And I'm like cool but like it <laughs> honestly i kind of respect the audacity of it just from mm-hmm. a, a from a meta writer perspective it's like crap i made too many antagonists well i already made the main antagonist this really petulant coward so him doing something completely unreasonable and abusery like this is yeah. in character sure <laughs> This is part one of my theory that an editor got involved around here because it's also in the next arc and the bit after the next arc is all got some vibes of, hey, some decisions needed to be made Mm -hmm. because I forget when the narrator comes. I think it's actually at the beginning of this chapter. The narrator explains a lot of lore like Mm. there is just a narrative exposition dump about how Nezuko, um, how Muzin can see through the eyes of all his creations. But don't worry, he can't see through Nezuko's eyes because she had her curse removed when she was at the place. And I'm like, good. Thank you for confirming that happened, I suppose. There is a lot of stuff that was like implied because like they it was already established that he could see through the eyes of other demons. Mm -hmm. But then what about the three who aren't following his orders? So 
Yeah, the, the narrator covers a lot of holes is really what happens. It's confusing, though, the fact that they have to go back and like report things back to Muzin. I'm like, what is the purpose of that? You already know no matter what you report, you have failed him somehow. So- it also says that distance weakens the ability. If the demon is far enough away, Muzan can't directly see through their eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, if, if they don't show up to report in person, how can he kill some of them arbitrarily, like the yeah. supervillain that he is? So that's what exactly. I mean. Like, it's just so arbitrary. If he can already be all seeing, all knowing, and, you know, aside from the distance thing, what is even the point of reporting in person? He's like, I already saw it. You still pick it up for some stupid reason. Because he needs to feel in power. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's really sad. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's really sad. Good. He's a petulant child. I don't think that's... <laughs> After this arc, that's definitely not in question. In question, yeah. Like, okay, we we haven't mentioned it, but Muzan has changed his form. He's not uh, Demon Michael Jackson in this. He's he is a lady in a kimono, and uh, like this is to the point where his uh, physical appearance and even the aura he puts off is so different. His own Kizuki didn't recognize him immediately. The only reason that they knew who was actually standing before them was because of the eyes. The eyes mm-hmm. were unquestionably Muzan's. Yep. And as if the whole thing of him being a petulant child wasn't enough, uh, the metaphor really gets hammered on our heads in the later part of this where he has taken the form of a child. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that one because I've got other problems with that. But, yeah. But anyway, it's time to ride the demon train. You mean this ground demon? Look how fast it goes. King of the mountains. <laughs> Look how yes. big it is. I want to fight it. It's the <laughs> lord of this land. Okay, I, I got to point this out. In, it's clear that Inosuke has some like nth level instincts that it, he's got simultaneously wisdom 20 and wisdom one. <laughs> well, he doesn't. He's not used to civil society. He was lived in the wilderness most of his life. But like he intuits things really well. He's just too stupid to actually work through his own intuition. And... I find it very funny that he uh, he thinks that a steam train is the lord of this land when we learn later that the train is fused with a demon that recently got a giant dose of Muzan's blood. And it can be said that Muzan is the lord of the land. (laughs) So. All fairness, I think that's just fun foreshadowing because I think there's a line from the sleep demon that the fusing with the train does not happen until it, t- it took yeah, place on the, while the train was in transit. But there's also a, a bit of an element of um, the importance of trains in this time period as well. So it's like Inosuke, um, he's so completely wrong, yet like. If you look at it from from a perspective that he would never consider the metaphorical perspective, he's also kind of right. He's completely right. <laughs> and I, I love that. But our, our boys got to buy their tickets and get on the train. And Tanjiro also doesn't know what a train is. And I thought that's funny that Zenitsu has to tell him. And Zenitsu also gets my favorite, like, very quickly rushed in line of like, by the way, the Demon Slayer Corps is not officially recognized by the government. So you must hide your swords. People will think we're <laughs> rebels. And I'm like, man, Tanjiro really lucked out walking through that city with his sword. Then, Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's fine. I, I accept it. It was a crowded. I, I accept that, too. I just think it's really funny how Zenitsu no, yeah, just. It's, it's funny that Zenitsu is the one who has to explain these basic this. things to the, these two. 
I, I much appreciate Zenitsu telling me something that ha- is true in universe than having a little narrator bubble pop up and going, by the way, the Demon Slayer Corps is not officially recognized by the government of this land. This in the previous time when Tanjiro was in the city, he lucked out by not. And I'm like, I, I don't care. This stop. <laughs> yep. So it's, uh, it's maybe trying a little bit too hard. Well, how close was Zenitsu to, you know, the city and interacting with civilization compared to even Tanjiro? Because Tanjiro was you know in the outskirts he wasn't in the wilderness per se but i mean mostly in yeah, the woods he was, aside he, he's from- in the mountains yeah he was a day away from a small town yeah so i mean it was very reasonable to you know ex- have to explain to these two kids that hey there's this um mode of transportation now it's new and th- like trains having to explain to them you know how vehicles and holding and holding a nosuke back from uh, headbutting it again yeah, I mean, he does that with anything that's new. It could have been a new person. And he just gets like triggered and wants to headbutt it. So I, I forgot. Nosuke hides his swords by tucking them into his pants, but he doesn't wear a shirt, so it doesn't do anything. Yeah, you can still see them. Yes. Oh, oh. Man. But yeah, they uh, they get chased by <laughs> train station authorities, but then get on the train fine anyway. So that was a fun joke. Um, <laughs> And when they're on the train, they are attracted to the sound of someone just shouting delicious. <laughs> like, what's going on? Hold up. Some guy's acting weird. We were supposed to meet a Hashira here, right? Oh, 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 yep. There's some guy eating a whole bunch of train lunchboxes by himself. That's, that's weird enough to be a Hashira, so. It is the flame Hashira who's uh, Rengoku. Yep. But Rengoku is uh, eating his lunchboxes, being a weirdo. Uh, everyone is looking at him. Has he hidden his sword at all? I think he's just got it on him. Um, he has he has like three or four extra layers worth of kimono that the sword is like tucked under like a vest or something. Gotcha. And like you'd have to be looking for it to notice it, which mm-hmm. in all honesty is the is basically the same for um uh, it's better than Anosuke's job <laughs> of hiding his sword, and it's about the same as uh, Zenitsu and Tanjiro. So, the other thing is, like you know, there is that the element of in this time period in Japan, the, like that was a new thing at the time. So people not thinking about it, and that combination with um, you're totally allowed to have a wooden like the wooden practice swords. I, I looked up what era um, this takes place in because like, it's the I think it's the era directly after they took the swords from the samurai. So them having swords on them is a, still illegal, but it's past the time where like all the samurai had them removed. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's, it's more it, of an oddity. Yeah, it, it's it's very much the case where if you're not looking, you're probably not going to notice somebody wearing a sword. And even if you notice in passing, it's like, is that a real sword? Probably not. That's illegal. And then just like no one thinks about it. So as long as you're not like openly flaunting, carrying around two whole swords, Inosuke, you're probably <laughs> fine. He's <laughs> Inosuke. Why does your mom let you have two swords? Where would he <laughs> even hide them? <laughs> he doesn't wear a shirt. <laughs> uh, uh, I really enjoyed Inosuke in this. So anyway, uh, they have so what what is the story for them coming here because i think the manga is very brief yeah. about it it's there's been some disappearances on this train route yes it was specifically they were going to meet a hashira because 
of a mission associate like they know that they know there's a demon associated with the train they they don't know gotcha. really else. okay i think the movie directly tells them what the plan is and they're talking mm-hmm. about it as they get on the manga literally just says we're meeting a hashira about a mission then okay yeah and yeah they, they find rengoku and rengoku's like hey there's been some disappearances on this train we're gonna ride it and see What's happening? Uh, and they're surprised because they thought they were taking the train to a mission point. And Rengoku's like, no, yeah. the train is the well, mission. That's right. So the manga is a lot more vague about why they're even here. Which is actually uh, one, of, one of those like little differences between the, the manga and the movie where in both versions, Zenitsu is like shocked and terrified that, that you mean the demon is actually on the train. I thought we were going to the demon. And in the movie, it's like Tanjiro already told you that Zenitsu, but it's also in character for Zenitsu not to notice that. So it works either way. I think it's very important that we mention that uh, Rengoku is eating his dinner when they walk into the train car that he's on. And after every bite of food, he goes, oh, my. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is how they, they identify him and uh, find him. You know, terrifying the rest of like the weight stuff on the train of like, damn, this guy can really eat. Some guys <laughs> acting real weird in public must be a Hashira. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, my. Oh my! But uh, as as the train is going, the ticket taker comes around and um, begins stamping everyone's tickets. Uh, gets uh, through the main trio. We do get a little background lesson in sword breathing before then, because uh, I can remember his name for a second. Tanjiro is uh, talking with Rengoku, and he's like, "Hey, you ever heard of the Hinokami Kagura?" Uh, nope, never heard of it. Not once. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's kind of also been Tanjiro's mission is finding out what's the deal with his um, fire form he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asked um, Shinobu about it in the conversation. We kind of skipped over that bit um, where she goes, never call it fire breathing. It's flame breathing. You'll insult the practitioner. And that's Rengoku. Mm-hmm. And then I think that might be why they get set up with the mission. Why they're set up on missions is never really clear. The crows just kind of tell them what to do. So... Yep. And Rengoku's like, there's five basic techniques, flame, water, wind, stone and thunder. And all the others are derivatives off of that. I am the flame Hashira. It is a long and proud lineage of practitioners. By the way, what's your sword color? Uh, black a black sword unfortunate i hear black swordsmen uh, never know which technique to master and almost never become Hashira. You should be my student. Ha ha ha. Weird, because when the blacks, let's not get into how they almost never bring up the color of their swords. But mm-hmm. um, the last time the sword color was brought up, I thought black was like supposed to be the most powerful <laughs> or something. No, it was the most rare. Like, oh, OK, I, I might have just associated the two in my head then. Mm hmm. Which honestly, I think that Tanjiro also did as well. So and then and then Rengoku just like casually announcing that that's not exactly how it works. And then the just black swords on. are actually pretty bad. They are not <laughs> talented towards any field. So. Yeah. <laughs> OK. Partially like it's due to the sword or if it's just because they're just very indecisive individuals because the sword my understanding was when they had their swords forged, the ore that they were able to have was determined by what was it, their personality or something? So let's not get into the Mitrian sword changing color because they talk about it a lot for it never to come up. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to wonder, like, if it has to do, if it ties back to the individual or if it's just the individual. You I don't know. think the manga is very clear on it because I think the manga abandoned that premise as like an interesting thing. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting side detail. It changes color when they get it. 
Mm-hmm. And the they, they pick the ore at the final selection. I think it so, is supposed to be like a personality test, but like I think it's literally just a personality test. It's like a mood ring that murders demons. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Getting back to the plot, the conductor punches their tickets and then uh, ah, gasp, shock, a demon has appeared. I'm here to eat all the humans. Blah. <laughs> Not while I'm here. And Rengoku is really cool. And he uh, defeats the demon being real awesome with his flame breathing. And isn't this guy so rad? Ren- Rengoku has a really good line where he apologizes to the crowd of people. Please forgive the sword. This is a demon emergency. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If you would bear your fangs at the innocent, then my flame red blade will burn you to the bone. Which I, oh. I, I like that. I really like Rengoku's little speeches. <laughs> yep. And he kills the demon in one shot. And then all the main trio are just like, you are so cool, Rengoku. And Tanjiro's like, I want to be your apprentice. And then uh, Zenitsu and Inosuke are like, I want to be your apprentice, too. And it's like, well, little brothers, you can all be my apprentice. <laughs> and then you're like, man, they're really drawing Tanjiro weird. Wait, no, all three of them are being drawn really weird. Well, this is Demon Slayer. They do have a lot of variance with how the main cast is displayed. But um, that's uh, that's not what's happening here. <laughs> and then, oh, oh, everyone's asleep. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, no. They're dreaming? Question mark. Mm hmm. Which is confirmed because the demon on the train is the weird guy from the Muzan scene. I forget. Does the sleep demon narrate why the dream worked or is the narrator there again? I'm pretty sure that Enmu does it. The yeah. demon does a lot of monologuing to himself. So, yes, because he's so great. He's going to be successful and he's going to get more of that delicious, <laughs> delicious blood. He's going to make yes. Muzan senpai notice him. Yes. That's that's a very accurate portrayal of this character and how uncomfortable this character is, which is as intended and quite well done. Mm-hmm. But um, Enma, Enmu is his name. Mm-hmm. Not Enma, King Enma. That's a different demon. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so he, as one of the 12 uh, Kizuki, um, has a sleep. Now it's more like seven Kizuki. <laughs> seven temporarily because it's strongly implied that there's only going to be six after this. He's just going to be given the opportunity to fight one of the top six. So he has a power that he has infused into the tickets, which is his demon art, which when the ticket is punched, the person whose ticket it is falls into a deep irreversible sleep Mm -hmm. they are he has complete control over their dreams while they're in these yes so he's given them very pleasant dreams so they won't want to wake up and uh like tanjiro is dreaming of being reunited with his dead family uh rengoku is dreaming of a fond memory uh, of his little brother and also his dad who is a bitter old asshole and meanwhile we need some comedy in this so uh inosuke is dreaming of being the leader uh, with his three (laughs) underlings going to fight a big monster and uh zenitsu's uh, having a wonderful date with Nezuko. I was painfully interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> I love the date with Nezuko because he's just like, well, no, my princess, I will do anything for you. And she's like, oh, my. <laughs> we're, we're going across the river, but I can't swim. Don't worry. You can ride on my back and I'll leap across the river. Not even your toes will get wet. Which so sweet. I think it's an interesting part to bring up here is um, I'm wondering what uh, Nezuko and Zenitsu's relationship is right now, because they have been having a bunch of flirting scenes already. Okay, so my interpretation of this was kind of it was awkward because I don't I 100 percent see Zenitsu flirting with Nezuko. 
but I don't know necessarily if she's picking up on the fact that he's flirting with her or she likes the attention and is just, you know, being an active listener. So in the manga itself, we actually only get the one sided like Zenitsu talking to Nezuko in the box. Mm-hmm. He also skips going to um, uh, play around with the girls uh, training regimen to hang out with Nezuko while she's in box form, mm-hmm. which is an interesting take. Um, but then in the end of chapter illustrations, we've got two really good like Nezuko being really happy that Zenitsu did something for her because in one he stole Shinobu's fish tank <laughs> and showed her the and showed her the goldfish and Nezuko's like, ooh, neat. And then another one he got some flowers for her, I think I think. I'm I'm misremembering that, but well, honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I really like that they're actually developing uh, Nezuko and uh, Zenitsu's relationship because if you recall back to uh, part two or part two of Demon Slayer, one of the things I mentioned is that the thing that made me respect Zenitsu and basically never get annoyed by his antics was in large part due to the fact that. Um, when he thought he was about to die, he was concerned about not letting uh, Tanjiro down because that was a person he actually had a relationship with. But like there's obviously the like Zenitsu likes Nezuko angle. If they actually get to know each other and they actually like, you know, enjoy each other's company, I'd like to see that relationship actually go somewhere because can't help but root for Zenitsu. Like he's Just the person I would be if I was if, in that world. If Nezuko, like consents to this relationship how romantic it's become that's where my thing is that's also kind of what i was saying was nezuko was consenting to at least like the hanging out i don't think they're in an established relationship and that's fine but i think zenitsu definitely is like oh this is my girlfriend i'm going to protect her and it's like i think she just likes hanging out with you guys okay well let's be fair the time and place zenitsu says that is in a fantasy hush this is real life, guys. No, you, okay, you can't judge people based on their dream fantasies. <laughs> Demon-induced dream fantasies. Yes, but like, no, I mean, like that's that's actually the whole thing because it's like you know there there is that element of like Zenitsu reads more into the relationship than there actually is, but it's it's a brief enough moment. I might as well just mention it here. Um, granted, it's while he's still asleep, but uh, Zenitsu and Nezuko team up to fight in the big climactic fights scene and um you know like he has her back and nezuko seems to really appreciate it and like the thing the thing that i appreciate about it is like it's like if the relationship develops so like zenitsu recognizes that like this delusional fantasy i had could actually be a real thing if i work at it like that would be great character development for him and mm-hmm. again i really kind of root for zenitsu actually having some good in his life because he kind of needs it i mean i don't i don't feel bad talking about this right now because it, it does get delegated to completely in the background of panels or off screen because man zenitsu gets done dirty by the end of this arc um, he had too much attention in the the spider mountain arc that's the thing the spider mountain was his his uh character development moment and we got more and no stay in this one yeah but um so zenitsu's asleep for the rest of this and like after after the big fight, him and Nezuko kind of were fighting in the background. And there's a really nice scene of, again, these after the panel sketches uh, where Nezuko is holding uh, Zenitsu on her lap because he was like sleep fighting through the entire thing. So she's like mm-hmm. there taking care of him. And then that's a really sweet panel. And then there's another really sweet panel of the sun is coming up. So Zenitsu sho- wakes up <laughs> and shoves Nezuko in her box. <laughs> 
<laughs> like he's helping her scramble into the box before the sun gets her. Yeah, because yeah. it's pretty cute. Admittedly, the manga and the anime do not do anything to tell you. Hey, did Nezuko get back in her box before the sun rose? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. That that got taken care of off site. Yep. But um, back to the story itself. <laughs> yes, back to the story itself. Uh, the only one who didn't fall asleep uh, under the demon spell is Nezuko because she was in the box. She didn't have a ticket. She was yeah, a yeah, stowaway. She's technically a stowaway. <laughs> huh? Technically a stowaway. Technically, she's luggage. <laughs> <laughs> but um, another important thing to note is that uh, Enmu has a number of human servants, uh, various people in miserable life conditions who he has promised to give pleasant dreams to to escape their horrid reality. All you have to do is put the demon slayers to sleep and then use these special ropes to tie yourselves to them. You fall asleep, invade their dreams, find the core of their person and shatter their souls which point they will be like completely devoid of any emotion or willpower and will be very easy to kill. Exactly. I I really like this because obviously our various main characters uh, do not succumb to this, but it's all in very unique ways. The one who went into Rengoku's dream uh, finds his spiritual core, which is in a a vast burning uh, (laughs) plaza. Mm -hmm. I don't say wasteland because there are actually like flagstones there. So it's got like the ordered like a fire dojo. It's a fire dojo. Yeah. It's a Pokemon gym. Like, yeah. And she's like, oh my God, it's burning hot here. This is awful. I just got to. I can barely breathe. I can barely breathe. And she goes to destroy the spiritual core and still completely in his sleep, Rengoku senses the danger to his own heart, grabs her by the throat and just holds her there. Like, uh, uh, and it's, he's just choking this woman. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just going like, oh my God, I'm amazed you, you went full forward with this. And narrator pops up. As you can see, she is unable to move because of Rengoku's insane monster strength. But also, Rengoku cannot kill a human, so they are locked in stalemate. And I'm like, thanks, thanks, narrator. <laughs> He's not choking her in a way that will kill her. Okay, good. Good to know. Thank you. Thanks, narrator. The, the movie doesn't make that immediately clear, so I definitely had some fun at that. <laughs> like, did um, he just choke that woman to death? Uh, I also like uh, <laughs> the ones who invaded um, Inosuke and Zenitsu's uh, inner souls. For one, uh, the one who invaded Inosuke, she didn't actually evade his dream form, and he's chasing her down as a rabid boar monster. <laughs> she thinks she got into like some nightmare world, so she doesn't even make it to his core. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other guy got into Zenitsu's core, but it's of impenetrable darkness <laughs> because. Zenitsu is a very depressed individual with a very low self-image. So once you get past the fantasy into like his the deep recesses of what makes him him, it's an endless pit of like self-doubt. <laughs> <laughs> except, except for the one bit which I can only assume is the like personification of his actual competence, which is a horror movie monster that floats around with a pair of giant shears, murdering any intruders into his inner soul, saying, Nezuko is the only one allowed in here. <laughs> Nezuko is the only one who can can view my inner soul. You're not even a girl. <laughs> just like I'm that. gonna I kill you now. <laughs> oh man! Uh, and spe- speaking of things, the manga doesn't make clear if they die or not. Mm-hmm. I I spent the majority of uh, the reading going like, "Well, that dude's dead." <laughs> <laughs> Though he isn't. He escapes. Yeah, we we get a we get a throwaway line at the end that um mm-hmm. don't worry. Well, they get up like yeah. after the ropes get severed, they get up and 
Well, yeah, let's, well, that, that's immediately right after. Let's just get to that point then. Um, yeah. So oh, my favorite one uh, is the one who went into Tanjiro's dream, uh, a young man suffering from tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went into Tanjiro's dream and managed to find his, uh, his inner self, which is a vast, calm ocean under a uh, reflecting a serene blue sky. And it had, and the inside of Tanjiro's heart is this perfect calmness radiating a pleasant warmth. Which actually, like, given what's uh, revealed about Tanjiro in the next arc, like, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Like, his, um, his inner soul is literally a still, like, ankle deep pool of water that perfectly reflects a sky. So it is perfect, like, sunlight and sky as far as the eye can see. Mm-hmm. And uh, also has little light sprites, which are manifestations of Tanjiro's kindness. Yeah, yeah, Tanjiro's make people good power uh, manifested <laughs> into a real thing. Uh, <laughs> and the little sprites lead the boy to Tanjiro's spiritual core, which is the sun. <laughs> uh, uh, or at least it's a ball of golden light. And the guy's like, why did you bring me here? You brought me here because I was looking for it, but I was looking for it to destroy it. He is too good for this world. Yeah, and and so the the invader is like overcome by the immense beauty of Tanjiro's heart, refuses to do it, and when he's kicked out of the dream, he brings one of the little sprites with him, which the manga says is like it brings some of Tanjiro's kindness into his heart, which is like yes. it's the most direct metaphor for kindness being spread around I've ever seen. But I beg it, it makes canon that Tanjiro makes people good, <laughs> like. With his good boy powers. Another one of those cases where those like maybe editor uh, narration boxes or it's like, I got that without you explaining it to me. Mm -hmm. But like, thanks for confirming it. I don't think I needed it. But the narrator is real bad at this part. He has to explain like uh, when you dive deep into someone's soul, there is always the risk that part of their soul is because you are your entire essence in their subconscious, mm-hmm. the essence of their subconscious can corrupt you and change your personality when you come out. So his Tanjiro's kindness made this person nicer. That is why the sleep demon Enu never goes into a dream himself. He fears being corrupted by weak human emotions. And I'm like, I thought that was very obvious. I maybe tell mm-hmm. a little less and show more because I well, think no, you, you made that clear. That's mm-hmm. that's the worst part. It does adequately show you don't have to tell. And like not even necessarily in the section of Demon Slayer, but there are some places where telling to confirm things that like you're not reading into something that isn't their sort of situation that I think behooves. And like show don't tell, I don't think is a universal thing. But for this part, it was very uh, let me explain to you the metaphor. Did you get the metaphor? Yeah. <laughs> But um, actually, we we kind of this uh, happens concurrently with uh, Tanjiro in his dream because he's really the only focus at this point. Mm. Um, Rengoku gets a little bit, but like not much. Yeah, actually, I was just going to say, I, I love that it, it's like a misery and or drama sandwich of Tanjiro's very because it's like, you know, like he's happy in the moment, but it's a very tragic element that he's, you know, seeing his dead family. And then you have the goofy nonsense of uh, Inosuke and Zenitsu. And then you go back to Rengoku, who's uh, 
who's also got some pretty serious stuff to deal with. And then, you know, we get to Tanjiro again. Rengoku has the memory of being berated by his father, who has become nihilistic. It's like, so what if you became a Hashira? It doesn't amount to anything. Nothing amounts to anything, you idiot child. Yeah, one of Rengoku's happiest memories is his dying mother telling him, hey, you're strong. Please deal with your dad. (laughs) I know he's gone through a lot. I know he's a handful, but like deep down, I'm sure he still loves you. He just can't show it at all and will probably be abusive for the remainder of your life. No, she's like, no, those with strength need to use that strength to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And then also tells her to be nice to her his dad. Like, yeah. I'm also not sure of the timeline because I, I thought that in the um, flashbacks where we're in Goku... Um, was imagining their father training both him and his brother. His brother was older than the flashback with his mom, but they're not super clear on it. So, And and Rengoku also says that his dad, his dad's depressive funk came about rather recently and suddenly. Well, it was when the mom got sick was why the dad just thought, what's the point of anything? Like, but uh, anyway, uh, a much happier bit of that is uh, Rengoku being a very good older brother to his younger brother and them training a little together. It's it's very sweet. But uh, we get to uh, <laughs> one of my favorite bits is, uh, yes, Nezuko is awake. And uh, so she's trying to help the others who are asleep and she can't like wake up Tanjiro by shaking him or anything. She tries to get head pats and it doesn't work, which is very sad. <laughs> so, so she uses the Komodo family secret technique and headbutts him. <laughs> His head's too hard. Because <laughs> she's a demon, the blood from her headbutt, because maybe she headbutted a little too hard, ignites and Tanjiro's on fire in his dream. Well, that, that's her blood demon art is the, yeah, yeah. is the explosive burning blood. And yeah, I love how she headbutts him. He didn't even do anything. He's just laying there and it still hurt her more because that's yes. how hard-headed Tanjiro is. Insert joke of how hard-headed boys are. <laughs> yeah, I think he bursts into flame in his dream when uh, Nezuko uses her blood to sever the um, the tie. Yeah. Between the the uh, would-be assassin oh, okay. and Tanjiro. I thought that happened after he woke up, but you're, no, he does that to the other people's. His got severed prematurely. Yeah, he, he wakes up with the thing already burnt. And yep. uh, uh, that lines up with when Nezuko cut that line. And um, Tanjiro it goes from enjoying like there there are different points where like in his perfect idyllic fantasy, like he notices Nezuko's box in the woods. Demon Slayer him in a reflection saying, you've got to wake up. <laughs> You are under attack. Wake up. Yeah, it it builds up to that because there's other there's other subtle moments where like he asks where Nezuko is and everybody has that everything is fine freeze moment of wait, what's the what what do we say in the script? Processing, processing. (laughs) Um, But yeah, eventually, eventually his his actual self grabs him from uh, under the water like a horror movie monster or ghost or something and pulls him into a lake. Mm-hmm. You know what you need to do. Well, no, it's a it's when uh, Tanjiro in the dream resolves to uh, leave behind the pleasant fantasy. He's still like, I still can't. I'm still lost in this dream. I don't know how to get out. And a vision of his father appears saying what you must cut is within your reach. 
Um, that would be a really cool scene if a narrator bubble then didn't have to explain to me what happened. Yeah, as Tanjiro pulls his sword and slices his own throat and wakes up because you always wake up right before you die in the dream. It's a it's a really impactful scene. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's really cool and I really enjoyed it. That maybe didn't need the narration box. The narration needed to explain that's not really Tanjiro's ghost father. Don't think that. That's his subconscious talking. I'm like, I mean, cool, I guess, but that's enough to assume. Mm -hmm. So now Tanjiro's like, okay, got to go find and beat the demon's ass. And he gets up on top of the train, finds Enmu. There's a fight, a really, really good fight because Tanjiro is trying to go in with constant flux and Enmu keeps hitting him with a hypnosis move. And he's like, am I missing? He's still coming at me. No, I'm hitting him with it. He's falling asleep. He's immediately realizing he's in a dream and committing suicide in the dream. What madman? What is wrong with this kid? Even though he knows he's in a dream, the kind of willpower it takes to when everything is so real to slit your own throat Mm -hmm. is insane. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I know we don't like talking about the anime when we're doing our manga reviews, but man, when the movie cuts to a scene of him doing that every single time, like mm-hmm. ooh. it's the advantage that because, you know, like there there are different advantages mm-hmm. and disadvantages to media. And that's the reason why manga can be adapted well mm-hmm. into good anime and indeed vice versa, because the fact that, you know, it's it's a thing in motion means that they can throw in all those extra frames of that happening. Whereas if they did that in the manga, it would be the same picture in a bunch of, you know, also, panels subsequently. And frankly, be really hard to follow too, like constantly <laughs> shifting location. So like, I understand why they did it, but just like, that one clip of him doing that over and over again is just so impactful. When I was in the theater watching it, I was like, oh, my God, like, yeah, that really drives home what he is doing, because in the manga, it's really cool when you come to that realization. Seeing it's like is. Yeah, it's, it's something. It is something else. Yeah, I could also see maybe an editor was just like, hey, you can't show a child killing themselves 17 times in your chapter. Mm-hmm. And, and Moose like, wow, no wonder Lord Muson told me to kill this one. <laughs> Uh, This all culminates in one of the best moments of this arc where uh, Enmu decides, well, if good dreams aren't going to stop you, then I'll put you in a nightmare and see how you do with that. Mm -hmm. And it is a nightmare of his slain family getting back up and telling him that it's his fault that they're dead and that he should have died instead of them. And that works not even as well as the happy dreams. It takes him a split second to go like, you're really overreaching here. They would never say that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. No, I love it because for a second you think that, oh no, is the despair really going to get Tanjiro? And then he just gets angry. How dare you desecrate their memory like that? You monster. My family would never say anything like that as he's swinging for the death blow. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he he decapitates Enmu. Mm-hmm. Boy, man, that this arc feels short. It's almost like there should be more here somehow. Surprise! I was the train the whole time. <laughs> In fairness, Tanjiro does go like, wait, hold on. That was too easy. Is he weaker than the spider kid? Mm-hmm. Even though he's higher rank? <laughs> yeah, there's there's a moment of confusion here. But I think Tanjiro, you know, kind of suspects. Yeah, you know, it's it's not done, is it? <laughs> That's another thing. 
Spider Kid was ranked six, right? Yeah, he was like he was like lower. No, he was lower five. Gotcha. Okay, which means which he was means the he second weakest of the Kisaki. Yes. Yeah. Unrelated. My favorite part about the retcon with the Kizuki was um, how the higher rank have the symbol on both eyes because they were like, well, we already did the reveal with the hair covering of the one eye. We can't do that again. So yep. <laughs> the higher rank Kizuki just have them on both eyes. And also uh, there hasn't been any change in the roster of the upper rank Kizuki for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. No one has ascended to touch them in that time. But yeah. Uh, Enmu reveals, did you think this was my real body? My real body is the train itself. And now I'm going to eat all those delicious humans and gain their blood so that Lord Musen will know that I am strong and give me more blood. And I'm like, cool, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And Tanjiro is like, oh, crap, I can't defend all eight cars on this train without uh, and hunt down the demon at the same time. What do I do? And at which point Rengoku appears and is like, don't worry, we're all awake now. Thanks to your sister. I will defend five cars at once because i am the coolest your sister and golden hair boy will defend the other cars you and boar boy go kill the demon andro did that before he went up he cut them all free because he saw they were still connected no no actually no he had nezuko burn the bonds because he intuited he intuited that cutting them with the blade would make the situation worse i that's another yeah. one of those narration box moments. But that's, uh, that's one of those scenes where it's not even the narration box is the problem. It's the fact that like meta wise, him cutting the rope to sever the connection doesn't do anything else narratively. That's a decision to make it that Tanjiro intuited the correct way to burn these. And I'm like, why? Like, it's a weird meta decision, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it, it's an added step that didn't need to be there. That really just kind of makes Tanjiro weirdly mystic because he doesn't even say he smelled that he shouldn't do this. It's just he's like, just yes. new. Like, well, I mean, he was able to kind of intuit that it was his um, devil or demon art. And that these children were acting on behalf of a demon. Yeah, like, I I guess the thing is, like, if he cut it, it severs it at once, whereas burning it gives them time to come back. But like, I thought it was more the fact that if he used his blade, that the blade would would intuit that demon slayer is awake. Yeah, yeah, that was Jay took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, that's still a meta decision that I'm I'm not 100 percent sure was necessary. It just kind of makes a weird like Tanjiro is the protagonist power moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't think it's like it's not an awful thing or anything. It, it it just is a like you notice the hand of the author sort of situation. It's just it's not like I'm saying this is bad. I'm just kind of wondering why that's there when it would be easier to not mention it. You know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. you don't even have to address it in the first place. Yeah, you can just presume that there. But anyway, because um, what what had happened is Tanjiro had indeed severed all of the connections with Nezuko's help. But he then said he sent Nezuko to wake them up whilst mm-hmm. he went off and had really cool uh fight against the the boss character that was a fake out yep uh and i just love how rengoku is immediately like yep i can totally uh protect five cars all by myself that that's not even bragging that's just something i'm capable of let's go <laughs> i trust you guys to fight the kizuki i will keep the people safe and then nezuko and, and zanitsu split a car are they yeah. split two cars, right? There's eight cars. Rengoku protects five. Uh, Nezuko and Zenitsu protect the other three. Because Zenitsu didn't wake up, so he's in super badass thunderclap and flash mode. <laughs> yeah. Because you remember Zenitsu fights in his sleep, and you're like, sleep demon, you, you messed you up. You made a mistake. <laughs> you, you targeted the wrong people. <laughs>
Just in so many ways. But um, don't you know that we were the protagonists? <laughs> uh, so we have one of my favorite sequences, which is um, Tanjiro and Inosuke go to uh, defeat uh, Enmu. They get to the engine of the train and they find the neck bone, which is like underneath the floor. It is connected to the head bone. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so Inosuke cuts open the floor and Tanjiro goes to cut the neck bone, but uh, Enmu's regenerating too quickly and the flesh gets in the way. He's like, all right, Inosuke, we need to synchronize our attacks. You got it, Gumpachiro. Wait, I'm the leader. Screw off. <laughs> <laughs> then what should we do? We'll synchronize our attacks. Good plan, Inosuke. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, best uh, part, the best part is, once again, the good plan Inosuke is so genuine from Tanjiro. <laughs> yep, but Enmu conjures more eyes and has Tanjiro back in the dream suicide loop again and pulls something that uh, I was very scared of when I first watched the movie. It's like, oh no, Tanjiro's going to get so used to uh, doing this in the dream, he's going to gack himself in real life. Thankfully... Uh, that is what's about to happen. But Inosuke's like, don't die like an idiot. Come on. You're going to fall for his tricks. Wait, Inosuke, why aren't you asleep? I'm wearing the I'm wearing the uh, boar god's head. He's too scared to look me in the eyes or he can't tell where your eyes are either way. <laughs> yes. But really, uh, Enmu, you picked the wrong group of people to fight. <laughs> he did. He really did. He's fighting the protagonist, a guy who's stronger in his sleep, uh, a guy in a weird boar mask where you can't see his eyes, and a Kizuki all at once. And, and, and a he, Hashira, yeah. Or uh, a Hashira all at once. Uh, it's like, maybe you could beat one of those despite the hard counter, but like all four of them? All four weirdos. Not a chance. <laughs> Don't go after the weirdos if you're trying to, you know, wrap up the body count. Doesn't mm -hmm. work. Unfortunately, he was not ordered to rack up the body count. He was ordered to kill the weirdos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which kind of goes back to the pettiness of Muzan. Is like, I'll go give you an impossible mission. If you succeed, then you're worth my time. Well, that's, that's the entire thing about Muzan. Is it's like, realistically at this point, hey, Muzan, could you kill all the Hashira by yourself with little problem? Yes, but I don't want to because I'm a scared. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Also the point, like, even if Enmu was successful, you still didn't destroy all the Hashira. The Hashira still exists, so you still failed. Huh? Mm -hmm. Well, that's not him, but yeah. Yeah, but that does that does come up later, so. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Inosuke cuts open the flesh, and Tanjiro uses uh, the Hinokami Kagura in, to uh, sever the neck bone using a new kata of it, which I really loved, uh, Clear Blue Sky, which... Mm -hmm. On top of being really cool, spinny sword move, it also uh, foreshadows something we learned at the end of our reading. Yeah, so, I, I that was one of those things that because I actually read the manga first and then watched the movie afterward. And it was something that when watching the movie and seeing it all in motion, I noticed that bit of foreshadowing like, oh, that's really clever. Mm -hmm. So uh, Enmu <laughs> loses and in his death throes upends the entire train, but not before the engineer who is also in his thrall stabs uh, Tanjiro real good in the stomach. Yep. Uh, but thankfully, again, because Rengoku is the coolest, uh, despite the whole ass train derailing, no one died. 
lot of injuries, no deaths, though. The train does land on the uh, stab happy uh, train conductor's legs, though. So mm. <laughs> we should just leave him to rot. He hurt you. No, you got to go save him because we're the good guys. All right, but I'm going to pluck out all his hairs. You really don't have to do that. <laughs> Tanjiro does at least acknowledge that he got his legs crushed. And like, he's like, he's, he's suffered enough. That's probably a fair punishment. Like, mm-hmm. if we're going to have to dole out punishment and not just forgive everyone, he got his legs crushed. Come on. He's probably that's that more than enough. That is adequate. <laughs> yes. So it's like, OK, cool. The Kizuki's dead. Everyone's saved. Rengoku it, uh, tutors Tanjiro through a quick little breathing technique to willingly clot blood vessel. Uh, yeah. Blood vessel faster. Breathing techniques are about to get real weird. <laughs> <laughs> Also, uh, canonically, just want to remind everyone, uh, Zenitsu and um, Nezuko are having a very sweet moment on the other side of the train. (laughs) It's very cute. It is indeed very cute. And uh, it's like, all right, cool. Everything is good. Now we just need to go rest up our heroes again. And ah, crap, another Kizuki's here. Oh, 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 no. (laughs) And we get to my favorite bit (laughs) in in this whole reading. The upper rank number three, Akaza, has arrived. And he is um, a fight sexual. (laughs) I can only judge by the way he talks and his facial expressions. Strong, celebrated vibes. <laughs> and uh, he's like, hey, Mr. Hashira, you're really strong. Become a demon so we can fight each other forever. It'd be really hot. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't want to be a demon. Come on. We could do some weird stuff. <laughs> you know you want to. Come on. No, growing old and dying is what makes human life meaningful. That's lame. We're going to have a really cool fight now. <laughs> There's also the element of uh, Ren Goku being like, well, I dislike you personally, so I would have denied any offer you gave me regardless. But also, here's the philosophical reason I'd never do that, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty fun and in character for Ren Goku. No, based on principle, but also no. <laughs> but also <laughs> No, because screw you personally. (laughs) The other thing that Akaza mentions, and he seems to be genuinely confused by this element, but this is also a moment where the narration boxes don't uh, barge in and explain the uh, the thing that uh, should probably have been picked up. But the big thing is, if you have lasted long enough in the Demon Slayer core to become a Hashira, then you're pretty freaking dedicated to what you're doing. And the argument that Akaza is making in favor of becoming a demon goes against the point of why any of the Hashira sought strength in the first place. It's not about how fast you grow strong. It's not even about the power that you have. They're seeking mastery with their techniques specifically to stop people from getting hurt. Mm-hmm. There's like like Akaza is like straight out of Dragon Ball enjoys fighting for fighting's sake. And Rengoku, on the other hand, uses his strength to make the world a better place. It's like, not that he isn't like proud of his abilities, but like he doesn't like necessarily enjoy fighting at an inherent level. That's a pretty good thesis statement for Demon Slayer as like a shonen, though, is like, hey, you know, all those ba- other battle shonen that are about the main character just wanting to be the strongest because being the strongest is fun. That's not what we're about. You you need to be strong to do 
something. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to want Tanjiro up until this arc actually didn't care about being a Hashira. He wanted to kill Lord Muzin and save his sister. Everything mm-hmm. else is just a step to do that. Yeah. And his desire to become a Hashira is in that same vein. The thing that's also nice about Demon Slayer is it's also not bemoaning that idea of wanting to become strong for its own sake because Inosuke is a character in this manga and very likable and he's absolutely that Goku-esque protagonist who wants to be strong for its own sake. In all mm-hmm. fairness, when they do use that with Inosuke, it's normally for a comedy beat though. So like there, there is a level of parodying that thought. There is a, there is a level of parodying that thought, yeah. but it's not like Inosuke isn't seen as being bad or lesser for having that instinct though. No, he's seen as foolish for it. Mm-hmm. Like He's just funny. <laughs> yeah, Rengoku and Akaza square off. Uh, in any other circumstance, Rengoku would win this easily. He is lopping off limbs. He is carving deep furrows into uh, Akaza's torso. But he's an exceptionally powerful demon, so he regenerates at an insane speed, popping out whole ass arms and legs in an eye blank. Mm-hmm. Also, his neck is invincible. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Rengoku is steadily taking more and more damage. He he takes a solid shot to the eye that uh, crushes it closed. He gets a few cracked ribs. He's accumulating more and more wounds. Internal organ damage. He is mm-hmm. becoming weaker as the fight goes on, whereas Akaze is as strong as he has ever been. He's still fresh. Which he actually mocks him for is like, if you were a demon, you wouldn't be this weak now. Like you mm-hmm. would keep growing stronger. Uh, and it's also important to note that Tanjiro, because of his wound and because he used the Hinokami Kagura, is too weak to join the fight. Not that he'd be much help anyway. And Inosuke's like, oh my God, I would not be of any help. Even when I was getting my ass beat by those girls at Butterfly Mansion, I have never felt this helpless. I want to jump in. I can jump in, except I can't find an opening. And even if I did, I would just get it. In the way I would die. Meanwhile, Tanjiro is desperately practicing try not to die no jutsu. Um. <laughs> Dealing with his latest stab wound. Mm-hmm. We get to the coolest moment right before all the knife twisting and crying happens because uh, Rengoku says, No, I will fulfill my duty and unleashes the highest form of flame breathing that we've seen. Esoteric art, ninth form, Rengoku, which I, it, it took a lot for me to not jump out of my seat in the movie theater when I saw that. But <laughs> I can confirm this. Uh, yes, Matt was there. I can also confirm the second time around he did jump out of his seat. So <laughs> uh, Akaza unleashes his most powerful move to meet the attack. And there's a huge explosion of dust from these two great forces colliding. And it's like, did he win? Did he get him? And as the dust clears, no. Akaza has taken a severe blow, but he has driven his whole arm through Rengoku's torso. I believe um, Rengoku was able to hit Akaza in the neck, but could not get all the way through before he was impaled and then stops. Yeah, that, that was the scene of like he did everything to hit his neck and it goes in like a quarter of an inch if that like it's. Mm-hmm. For like the wind up, it is comical how like little he goes into the neck and you're like, I forgot demons only weakness is also their strongest point. Wait, (laughs) well, it's like his he also went in for like he stabbed Akaza in the chest and then did like a V cut down and then back up and was trying to get at it that way. And he just he didn't hit it. He's down an eye. He's weakened. He just couldn't get through. Little Mm -hmm. did you know, Red Goku looks directly Akaza in the eye and just goes. Your arm isn't impaled in me. 
<laughs> I'm wrapped around your arm. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, well, as we learned during the Natagumo mountain arc, in the moment where they stare death in the eye, humans will often have a flashback to a pivotal moment in their life to draw strength from. And that's when Rengoku has his flashback, where as a young man, his mother explains... He's a, he's a little boy still. He's a, yeah, he's still a boy. And his mother explains... Because you are stronger than others, it is your duty to use that strength to make the world a better place. It would be a great evil if you used it for selfish reasons. And that's why I'm so blessed to have such a good-hearted son as you. And that gives Rengoku the strength he needs, even while impaled, to grab Akaza by the arm, clench his, like, abs, I guess, to keep the other arm inside. And Akaza like, tries to pull his fist free and get the sword a little bit like, into his neck. Into his neck. He realizes he can't, so he goes to punch Rengoku to finish the job, but Rengoku catches his fist with his other arm and it's like oh oh no the sun is coming up oh no the sun's coming up and i can't move oh no a nosuke saw he has an opening <laughs> uh-huh tanjiro is also he's going <laughs> yeah he's trying he's really doing it he has to run to go get his sword and that's the point when uh he uh yells to a nosuke like get in there if there was ever a chance that we'd actually be able to successfully help it's now go Mm -hmm. But uh, Akaza breaks free by snapping Rengoku's sword and tearing his own arms off mm -hmm. to leap away, uh, dodging Inosuke's attack and fleeing into the woods away from the rising sun. And then in another one of the coolest moments, Tanjiro, in a fit of rage, yeets his sword <laughs> and impales Akasa with it. Retreating like a coward. Screaming after him, you coward, you weakling. How dare you get back here and face me? I'm not done with you. Rengoku won. We fight you where you are strongest and have the advantage. And now you run when the field turns in our favor you coward i do really love they give akaza the line of just like no hold on the sun instantly kills me this isn't like an even playing field for you like i'm mm -hmm. i'm gonna not die immediately i'm running from the sun yeah he tries to clarify like i don't think they hear him at all but it's just like he's saying it to himself yeah, yeah it's internal i i do appreciate that the manga illustrates that Tanjiro is there is no doing way I mean Tanjiro is not okay right now obviously Tanjiro is angry and shouting his villain uh, his villain protagonist uh, <laughs> shonen protagonist speech yep um Tanjiro had a death note the entire time oh no <laughs> oh no Tanjiro wouldn't use it if he had a death note he's too good-hearted that's actually yeah, true. Tanjiro probably can't read oh that's uh. also true um but um and like this is something that goes all the way up to Tanjiro's little shonen protag speech where it does a good job of not letting you know how this is actually going to ultimately play out. Because, like, the idea that the that the top third Kizuki would go down to Rengoku now doesn't really make much narrative sense, but it does a good job of making you think it's a possibility until it rips that idea away from you. And holding him down long enough, it's like, oh, is, is Rengoku going to sacrifice himself to take out one of the Kizuki? And then that gets taken away. 
And then when Tanjiro throws the sword, like one of the things that I was thinking was going to happen, it's like this would be giving Tanjiro way too much. But like, is he going to like pin uh, Akaza to a tree and see him burn up in the daylight? But like Mm -hmm. that gets ripped away, too, because in Demon Slayer, demons are just that much stronger than people. And it takes so much more for uh, the humans to win. And that's also a sort of interesting element of because like Tanjiro is like what he's saying isn't like just Akaza is running away from the sun in particular and it's not an even playing field a demon fighting a demon slayer in the day but at the same time they kind of cheated in in the fight becoming demons in the first place you know so Mm -hmm. like do you do you give them that concession Again, in terms of raw skill, Rengoku would have won the fight a dozen times over. Mm-hmm. Also, mostly because Akaza was fighting barehanded while Rengoku had a sword. I mean, that's also a thing, but still. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's an even playing field if they're not demons, but also like... <laughs> but also Akaza would have brought a sword to this fight <laughs> if he was a human. So Akaza gets away and Rengoku uses his final moments to say... Uh, to give a rousing speech to the gang. It's like, I've seen such great potential in all of you. Hold your heads high. Go continue on your paths. You're going to all become very strong. I think you can all become Hashira. And as far as I'm concerned, Nezuko is a demon slayer fighting alongside us to protect humans. And uh, yeah, that was real hard to read because I cried in the movie. I cried reading the manga. I cried cried in the movie again. (laughs) Yes. You know, the funny thing is the manga didn't get me, but the movie did. (laughs) As it should. The movie is so much heavier. The movie gives you a lot more time to breathe with this and also has a soundtrack, which is always. Which enhances that element. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, There were actually two moments where something that should have been a comedy beat almost made me ball. And it was funnily enough, a moment with Zenitsu and a moment with Inosuke. Rengoku doesn't know Zenitsu's name. And yet when he says that he believes that Zenitsu has the skill to become a Hashira, it's so genuine, despite the fact that he calls him the yellow boy. <laughs> like he saw what Zenitsu can really do when he's not doing his Zenitsu. Um, well, I mean, that's fair. He's complimenting specifically on what I've observed. And by mm-hmm. what I've seen, I believe you can totally do it. I'm just saying if there was a Hashira whose gimmick was he had to be asleep all the time, like that fits right in. <laughs> you know, the the genuineness of it that like he doesn't even know Zenitsu's name but he was watching closely enough to to understand what Zenitsu could do I really felt that and then um the other one is after Rengoku finally passes Tanjiro has a very understandable reaction of every time I make a breakthrough I see how far I have to go it's another Mm -hmm. taller thicker wall and I can't imagine how I can possibly break through what am I supposed to to do and Inosuke says he just said he believed in you so who cares how tall or how thick the wall is just do it uh stop mm-hmm. crying and he's sobbing too and it's like there's that comedy beat of Inosuke's doing like Inosuke's doing a shonen character thing, shonen thing of like giving a speech like that and then he's crying while he's saying stop crying like a baby you're crying like a baby and everyone's crying because it's so sad but like that's where mm-hmm. he is in that moment and I also like how like Tanjiro is just talking about how frustrated he is Inosuke mm-hmm. does a little bit of projection when he's like it doesn't matter how humiliated you feel mm-hmm. 
because yeah, man, Ninoski's just been on a humble conga line ever since <laughs> Nakagumo Mountain. His introduction <laughs> presented him as like. Wow, if this guy was formally trained, he'd totally definitely be a Hashira, right? And Inosuke certainly thinks so. Well, no, he is nowhere near his full potential, and getting slapped with that hurts a lot. He's had Humble Pie shoved down that boar mask over and over and over again. Yeah, it's... uh I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll talk about my experience with this really emotional ending, because... Uh, like, I, I get where the rest of you are coming from. I, I definitely it's a definitely a somber note. But like the entire time I'm at the end of this, I'm like, oh, man. So uh, I, I'm going to mention this, even though I know it made Sam real mad when I talked to him about it in the theater after the movie. Um, Tanjiro has now fought three Kizuki and has not attempted to get the blood of any of them. <laughs> OK, <laughs> he was incapacitated for two of them and. In the and after he actually defeated, he was stabbed for the second one. He was stabbed and yeeted like 200 yards. Just like how it never comes up in the fight, it gets casually. I mean, mentioned aside afterwards. from like, oh snap, I could have gotten there. Like, he has to defeat them and be in a position where he can, you know. Well, that's the thing. He can't defeat them because their body immediately burns up. So I'm wondering when he is supposed to get their blood. Mm-hmm. I think did though mention this when this uh, idea was initially brought up that like tying down a Kizuki bleeding them and then finishing them off would be something that Tanjiro would struggle with anyway so I think this is more indicative of Tanjiro's character that he's not really making the connection that the way he's doing it is not going to work this is mm-hmm. I see it similar as um, uh, Shinobu's apprentice whose name I can't recall I see it more as indicative of that um, element of um, Tanjiro's character. Yeah, and, and that's fair. I, I mostly just like the fact that it was clearly set up to be a MacGuffin and then gets promptly ignored. <laughs> they've not wanted to deal with it since, like the, the color mm-hmm. changing swords. And like, <laughs> though, I do like uh, how during the uh, recovery scene at uh, Butterfly Mansion, Tanjiro actually does think I didn't even get any of the blood from Rui. I'm such an idiot. Even uh, Lady Tamiyo's cat is looking at me with a disappointed face. <laughs> I love that cat. It shows the cat under the tree just looking at him like I am disappointed. Because canonically, Tanjiro is constantly followed by an invisible, soundless cat mm-hmm. waiting to collect blood the second he gets up. And he keeps failing at it. Just love the fact that it's something that's there that you need to remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, don't cats always look at you with disappointment? Exactly. This is natural. As, as they are getting healed again from their like one day mission. <laughs> so yeah, we've had we had this long knife twisting scene of like five different ways Rengoku uh, <laughs> is making us all cry. Like re- at really at the point where his mother's spirit shows up to say she's proud of him. I'm just like, okay, movie, okay, manga. You're you're <laughs> no, I'm proud. I'm proud. I had such a wonderful mother as he's fading. It's like, god damn it. <laughs> uh. So, Tanjiro, I need you to bring a message to my family. I want you to tell my brother that he should go and do whatever he wants with his life and I'd be proud of him. And then tell my dad I want him to take care of himself. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Tanjiro goes to uh, the Rengoku household. Much and- against the advice of his doctors. <laughs> because he's still got numerous wounds. He's got a horrible fever and is hobbling towards house Rengoku. Uh-huh. He's probably got some sort of infection because he was stabbed in the gut. Yeah, he has to sneak out because they weren't letting him leave. Mm-hmm. I, I love the, like, after chapter doodle shows Shinobu just, you know, classic big smile on her face, but swinging her fist like, I'm going to hit him so many times. <laughs> She's furious at him for this stupid behavior. He arrives at the Rengoku household. Uh, He meets Senjiro to start off with, and, uh, you know, they have a little chat, but it's not long before this nice little chat is interrupted by uh, Daddy Rengoku showing up, saying, my son was a worthless, talentless idiot. That's why he died. Hey, wait a minute. What are those Hanafuda earrings? Oh, you practice sun breathing, huh? You think you're cooler than me? And then proceeds to beat up a child. Wait, what? (laughs) What's sun breathing? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm an alcoholic, abusive father. I just hit people. I don't understand. (laughs) Sun breathing was the first technique. All other sword breathing techniques are just copies of it. You're here to make fun of us for that, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. One thing that had been mentioned in passing is that flame breathing was, according to our Rengoku, flame breathing was the first and like he he mm-hmm. says the order in which the original five were made. And then once those original five were made, the other derivatives came from there. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. was something that he was previously unaware of. Well, and it's- Rangoku admits he never read any of the books his father had. The Flame mm-hmm. Hosher Eternals. Yeah, that, that was his dad's thing was reading all the knowledge their house had accumulated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's just so funny that. Uh, well, not funny, but it just kind of like. If we weren't sure, <laughs> guys, he's a protag. He's the best thing learn ever. A technique that was the original super cool demon slaying technique that was better than all others, and you learned this from your father who wasn't a swordsman. That's silly. He must have been a swordsman. Was my dad a swordsman? Alluded to though, yeah. like the fact that his dad was a swordsman. He just doesn't connect the two. I guess. Mm-hmm. And again, it's sun breathing. So uh, clear blue sky, which for the listeners or you should have done the reading or watched the damn movie. Uh, but clear blue sky is a horizontal spin mm-hmm. that draws a sun disc with the sword. Some of the some of the early uh, flame breathing uh, techniques also do that. And basically look like lesser versions of the Hinokame Kagura. The thing that gets me is Hinokame Kagura is the fire god dance. I, I don't know if that's just like a, a misdirection from the manga, translation but thing. who knows? There, there, there is a lot of Japanese culture yeah. in this manga. What a shock. <laughs> the uh, the important part is that uh, actually this is where uh, Tanjiro uses the uh, Kamado family art of the <laughs> screw attack headbutt. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I am so sorry I knocked your father unconscious. Oh, he wasn't unconscious. He probably just fell over drunk. Where is he anyway? I think he went to go get more yeah. sake. Cool. There, there was also the element of um, Tanjiro, ever good boy that he is, of course, was totally fine getting berated personally and getting uh, hit. But uh, when it was Ren Goku who got insulted, that was when he uses the Kamado family technique. Oh, yeah. There's there's a, a panel I love and I'm saving for my internet reaction images going forward that um, if you follow our Twitter at OverMangaCast, you probably saw this week. Uh, it's in response directly to dad saying something. There is a still panel. Then there's Tanjiro going, hey, that's mean. 
don't say that. And I'm like, I'm saving that to just respond to anyone moving forward. Like, hey, that's me. It's don't say that. how often that is the perfect response to things said on the internet. Uh, I, I love Tanjiro so much. He's too pure for this world. He is. So Tanjiro and Sinjiro, they talk for a bit. And he's like, yeah, let me go get the Flame Hashira books for you. Oh, no, they've been all torn up and vandalized. It was probably my dad being an angry, bitter drunk again. He's going to work on trying to fix it and put it back together for him because they they bond. He's like, I'm going to work on restoring this because I'm not going to become a swordsman. I have no talent for it. I, I, I just don't think I can become a swordsman. It's not where his passion is. Also, specifically, his uh, color changing sword hasn't changed color in like the years he's been using it and at that point like Mm -hmm. you kind of know and he's like so i guess this means that i broke the uh unbroken line of flame hashiras i mean technically that was rengoku's fault he died without any hairs (laughs) kyojiro was the last at number 21 so great which that's interesting that we get told that there were 21 flame hashiras in this family line that gives us something resembling a timeline to work with on how long the i don't think it does no yeah it doesn't really because all it means is some of them had children before they died (laughs) how dangerous the job is it's hard to guess when any given flame hashira died exactly i I could 100 percent believe you have like a 16 year old hashira like Mm -hmm. yeah or like also that's also not accounting for the fact you could have had brothers yeah like yeah it's just the family has had the flame hashira so like Mm -hmm. yeah so it's not necessarily 21 successive generations but there's been a pretty high turnover rate it seems (laughs) which makes sense given what they're doing Mm -hmm. and uh we come to the end of our reading with tanjiro's determination to continue uh on his path learn more about the hinokami kagura become a hashira himself one day and it's a really nice note until he gets chased up by a tree by the swordsmith because he's like how did you lose two nichiren swords in as many missions hold on that's not the end of our reading uh we got lord muzin again (laughs) You're right. We do have to go deal with uh, Demon Michael Jackson, who's a lady who's a small boy. He's now a small boy now. <laughs> Pretending to be the sickly child of a wealthy family. <laughs> I, I love the fact that you've got this guy hosting a dinner party and he's essentially saying, I've been mind controlled to think this child who appeared out of nowhere is my no, the child adopted appeared son. out of nowhere. I thought they were like he essentially looking- says that. Like they were looking to adopt a child. Well, I, I for, first of all, I think it's just a single person because he's like, I was going to die without an heir. But then this young orphan appeared and he's got such a talent. I think I'm going to find someone like pay one of my doctors to cure his like poor skin disease so that he can't be out in the sunlight. Like, mm. but like it's it's so much exposition. You're like, OK, Lord Muzin mind controlled this guy. <laughs> and um, he has uh, a casa, a casa, a casa. Uh, pops into the window like he's um, in an 80s romance movie going like, (laughs) hey, you up? And he's like, you insolent fool, what are you doing here? (laughs) I misread the situation, I'm sorry. So, boss, bad news, Um, Enmu died. I didn't get the kid with the Hanafuda earrings, but I killed a Hashira, so everything's fine. No, you idiot, we kill a dozen Hashira a year. That, That doesn't mean anything. You didn't get the kid with the Hanafuda earrings and everyone else survived. You are a Kizuki. Killing Hashira is literally your job description. Do you want a medal every time you do the bare minimum? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, he uses 
psychic powers to cause Akaza's body to start to crack like pottery and bleed everywhere. That's not psychic powers. That's something that we've established he has. Is he yeah, has right. direct control over the anatomy of demons from uh, his yeah. blood. That was that was from part right, one. Right, right. What happened to the fake Kizuki, which was the first you know element of that that mm-hmm. had been encountered. We also get confirmed that Nezuko is safe from that. All included in that curse. Yep. Okay. I had forgotten about that. Thank They're you for extensions me. of Muzin's body or whatever. Which even arguably the fact that when demons are first born, they're like inherently feral and like immediately seek out human blood. That is also implied to be at least partially because of the curse. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Lord Muzin is doing that so that demons inherently seek power. And also there's some buy-in of you have already killed human beings. You were already on my side before you gain like consciousness. They will never forgive you now. Yeah, like because that's that's kind of what happens with Nezuko is she's very feral until the curse is removed and then she starts gaining more personality. Mm-hmm. It's implied that Muzin is doing that as a form of control so that demons he creates are feral. Yes. So uh, that and uh, Akaza has uh, Tanjiro's Nichiren sword and in a fury of blows, he shatters it into a bunch of pieces, remembering Tanjiro calling him a coward. And he says, I've memorized your face, you little brat. I'll find you and scatter out your brains. It's personal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there you call me a coward. Is this the chapter that then cuts back to it's the end of chapter art? Is that um, when uh, the swordsmith found out Tanjiro lost yes, another sword? Another one. He <laughs> chased him up a tree all night. Yes. Yeah, with a knife. He w- Tanjiro was stuck up there for 24 hours, I think. I just made you a new sword. I understand that anger. Chasing him with a knife might be a bit much, but I totally understand his anger. No, no. The end of chapter art is uh, the swordsmith going to get some comfort food. Oh, that's right. <laughs> right. I love Miturashi Dongo. I'd eat it every day. When I get angry, I need a snack. <laughs> yes. <laughs> eat a Snickers. You're not yourself when you're hungry. <laughs> But that is the end of our reading. (laughs) That is the end of our reading. Okay, so um, for our discussion questions, if your favorite character has substantially changed from last time, uh, why? Uh, I believe last time I said that my favorite character was Tanjiro and all of the reasons why I I love him have been reinforced in this. So while I will say that uh, other characters have gotten real close to unseating him, namely Inosuke and uh, Shinobu, um, he's still best boy. So, yeah. How about you, Matt? Um, so I think last time I said my favorite character was Zenitsu, which I would feel kind of bad saying he was my favorite character for this arc because he really gets that one joke and the cute Nezuko scenes like, yeah, they're fun, but he's not favorite character worthy in this section. Um, I really like Enmu. Like he's got that like weird kind of creepiness that I really appreciate in a villain. And like he's not... Mm-hmm. He's a demon, but he like abhors getting like face to face with people like he he fights hand to hand with someone. But that's only after he switched his body into the train and then the train. He's trying not to fight directly either. They've just patched onto his back where his neck is. And he was kind of hoping to eat enough people like I it's interesting and dynamic. And I really appreciate it about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then uh, I mean, Lord Muzin, I think, was my pick for part one uh, because Zenitsu hadn't showed up yet. But like Lord Muzin in this is amazing. He 
digs further into the I am a petulant little child who is deeply afraid of the Hashira and the Demon Slayer Corps as a whole. Which, in all fairness, they are an organization designed to kill him and everything he stands for. So fair, um, but also the level he's afraid of them is like comical. The fact that it he is. should have them dead to rights, but is too afraid to confront them despite that. Because there's the chance he might lose. Yeah, and he is constantly switching the form he's in because he is like constantly on the run, I can only assume. Like he is shifting up. So like his wife and child from that first scene, I don't think they were anything to them. I think they were a facade he put up, like mm. maybe just two people he hypnotized. Yep. I I kind of thought at the end of um the anime that he was all three of them. Because he appears as the woman in the kimono, and I thought, oh, is that his wife? But then I looked back and like they look similar, but not enough to like distinctly be the same character. So maybe not mm. like, mm. I don't know, but I, I think it makes more sense with the way we get to see him now is that he is literally constantly taking on a new appearance because he never wants to be found out because he is terrified and living in fear. Yes. Which is uh, not a good state to be in when you're a supervillain. <laughs> uh, Jay, uh, your favorite character, if they've changed since last time. Nope. Um, Anosuke all the way for um, the above reasons. Um, and this only has confirmed my choice. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, though, I uh, don't remember if I listed a second character, but definitely um, Tanjiro for obvious yeah. reasons. He's just top tier good boy. Top tier big not good boy. You people in your goody two shows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I, I have no complaints. My complaints. I made my complaints about Tanjiro known in this episode. I think they're fair. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. My one hang up with Zenitsu again is just want to make sure that Netsuko is like on board, on board with. Yeah. Yeah. Since we're going for villains, Akaza would have to be my favorite just because I really like his character design. Mm-hmm. Not going to mm-hmm. lie. Um, Akaza made a real big impression for showing up for like all of five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really don't have too much more to say on that. I just really liked his character design. It was really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Though aesthetically, I had to say that Enmu was also very captivating. Like, character. I, I, I don't know what to say. He's like Full a style. train wreck. You can't look away. How about that? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Jacob. Um. So honestly, it's sort of interesting. My my favorite character has. At once switched up a lot and also not at all. Um, I absolutely loved Nezuko in this uh, section. And I will say, I think that the that the movie and the manga, because they approach the story from different directions, kind of complement each other. But like, especially because they're more willing to get in Nezuko's head in the manga. I think that she had some really strong moments and that problem of it's not even a problem of agency, but it was more of a, a problem of like, you know, treating her not as feral, but like a dog as opposed to a person like that's gone away completely by now. Well, there is the scene. She gets upset. She's not getting head pats, but like, that's like a little sister thing though. Like I, I, so like that, that is a problem has gone away is, is the point I'm making. Uh, Nezuko is, I feel, I, I feel pretty strongly that she's my favorite character. Tanjiro, for the reasons Matt has mentioned, has slipped in a little bit. Like, it's not like it's character breaking or anything, but like, you know, it, I, I feel like the good boyness of Tanjiro was better balanced earlier on. Though I also got to just shout out Zenitsu that he is 
shooting up in my liked characters. And as long as the relationship between um, Zenitsu and Nezuko is like developed in a realistically slow way and in a natural way, like I actually think that that's probably a great place for his character to grow because like Nezuko believing in him, giving him the self-confidence he needs to show his skills fully awake or something, I, I feel would be like a really cool, like not even necessarily if they end up together, or if they just stay friends, that'd be fine too. But like, you know, like Nezuko believing in him being the thing he needs to like be awesome while he's awake and that being like the final motion of his character development or something. Like I'm really liking where Zenitsu is going as a character, despite the fact that he really didn't do all that much in this section. And uh, since villains were mentioned, um, I'm going to second Matt's moves on. Um, I think all three of the major villains that were shown were all top tier, but like Muzan, it's honestly for the same reasons that Matt likes him. The fact that he's such a coward and that that's shown in such a um, subtle but easily parsable way, really like, you know who he is the instant you see him. And I think that's mm-hmm. really good. Uh uh, you know, like character work. Indeed. All right. And uh, so uh, favorite fights. Why did everyone love Rengoku versus Akaza the most? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, um, I, it, I instantly gives away uh, why it's my favorite fight um, or that it is my favorite fight. I should say I, I might be being a little biased here by the movie because the fight in the movie is a sp- visually spectacular masterpiece uh i did think it was a little on the rushed side in the manga but it didn't like break it for me and just the full the philosophical clash of uh become a demon so you can become a perfect fighter and continue to fight forever no that's stupid screw off i also hate you (laughs) just i really enjoyed it uh, it had a whole lot of that rah-rah power of the human spirit thing that uh, any Gurren Lagann fan loves. So uh, it, it hit all my buttons. Uh, obvious close second being um, Tanjiro versus Enmu on top of the train. How about you, Jake? So uh, the interesting thing for me is, like I mentioned, I'm of the four of us. I'm actually the only one who read the manga first and then watched the movie. And um, as I was watching through the fights in the movie, um, you know, it's it, it was sort of like I was anticipating, like seeing this stuff in motion. And the one that I actually remember the most is the fight between Tanjiro and Enmu on top of the train. Uh, so that's actually um, my favorite. Like the close second is Rengoku versus Akaza, because like it's a really, really epic fight that also has some like fun, you know, philosophical debate, which like that's a shonen fight for you crystallized into perfect form. Um, but I got to say, like a combination of Tanjiro's uh, spinning flux one uh, constant flux, constant flux, the combination of constant flux and the like that visually was so gorgeous and so clean not to say that the rengoku versus akaza fight was messy by any means but there was just such a like there was like a intentional simplicity to it that it just looked really cool um as he's approaching enmu and then the the whammy moment of how dare you insult their memory they'd never say that was definitely the moment that got me the most actually the most hype it's sort of hard to say if that if that it's that or the rengoku versus akaza but like that also has more build up to it 
But like, I guess, I guess hype to build up ratio was uh, definitely Tanjiro versus Enmu on top of the train. All right. Jay, how about your favorite fight? So I would have to agree with you 100% and say that Rengoku versus Akaza was my favorite just because there was just such an explosion of color. There was, you know, the affirmation of no humanity is beautiful. Um, there was also the... Um, I wanted to mention this earlier, kind of like Rangiku or Rangiku being Goku kind of being like paternal towards the our three protagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very interesting, you know, to, to tie in with despite the fact that he's had a difficult upbringing and, you know, has not been encouraged by, you know, his father for the longest bit, despite the fact that he's doing his best to kind of uphold their prestigious lineage. It was really that his mother, who admittedly passed pretty early on to his life, that was the driving force for him to continue down this path. Um, so it was just all around beautiful, not just aesthetically, not just that build up for a huge battle, but also just as far as like motivation wise um, and inevitably for the growth of the, our other protagonists. It, it just was very symbolic and Loved it. Mm. And Matt, your favorite fight. Oh, I'll, I'll buck the trend here because um, uh, the Rengoku versus uh, Akaza, uh, Akaza. I really Akaza. should remember the Rengoku versus Akaza fight and the with Enmu on top of the train are both really fun fights. I just don't feel like I can in good conscience say like in this reading, they're my favorite fights because I, I feel like the entire Mugen train arc in the manga feels very rushed going through it for me. Mm-hmm. So like... That, that was like my constant problem was like I, I felt like Mugen Train as a whole had pacing problems because it felt like it just wanted to get to the end real quick. Mm. So like in the, in the movie has plenty of time to breathe and I can enjoy it a lot more. So like they're great scenes, but like for a favorite fight in the reading we did, uh, I'm going to go um, Tanjiro versus uh, Rengoku's father. I really appreciated that like <laughs> quick tussle because it also sets up my favorite scene in this like whole reading we did, which is um. Tanjiro has beaten him. He has gotten up and left to go get drinks. And when uh, Tanjiro gets what he needs and is heading out, he talks to Ren Goku's father one more time, like at, which was the culmination of why they fought in the first place, because he was insulting his son or trying to mourn Ren Goku and is just like, hey, I want to tell you your son's last words. And he, the father is just like, I don't want to hear it. He probably just wanted to say something terrible. Like, I'm a horrible monster of a father who did nothing but abuse him because Frankly, that's what happened. Because yes, projecting. <laughs> it's not projecting. It's what happened. Like he is the person. It's projecting well, yeah. and also true. But, but yes. like Tanjiro just goes, no. He just said you need to take care of yourself, and that absolutely floors the dad, and he is just crying. And then we just leave him crying alone in his scene. Like he's fully. He had been like dealing with his grief by like getting angry. And was directing that anger at his son, like, well, this was stupid. You were going to fail anyway. You got yourself killed. I kept telling. I was right. But then that is revealed to just be like a shield of his own, like, self-hatred, really. Mm-hmm. That he was projecting onto his son because his son was following in his footsteps. And it, like when he's just like, no, your son genuinely cared about you and wanted you to be happy and wanted you to not be like this. And that destroys him. And I... 
really love that scene and you have that scene because Tanjiro beat him by headbutting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the screw attack headbutt. <laughs> and uh so while we're here, we couldn't do a little discussion of the movie since all four of us have seen it. Um I just have one like we've been mentioning it here and there about how the movie is great. It is a visual masterpiece. There's a reason it's the highest grossing anime movie literally ever. It's highly likely that you, our dear listeners, have seen it. But if you haven't, go see it. It's on Crunchyroll, though you need premium for that. So find your own way. Um, the important thing that I wanted to point out, just a nice little detail, is uh, the final credits song after Rengoku, like after Rengoku's death. Because the movie just ends on Rengoku's death and the Hashiro learning about it and Tanjiro crying. The final credits song is Homura by Lisa. And it, it's a great song. I've listened to it a whole bunch since the movie came out uh, on the rewatch. I noted something, and that is during the scene of Rengoku's dream when he's talking with his little brother in the in the dream created by Enmu. There is a uh, instrumental rendition of Homura playing in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they musically foreshadowed his death and the sad song that went with it. <laughs> I actually like jumped off of the couch, jaw agape, like, oh my God, movie, you're not doing this. Oh, you are. <laughs> ah. Yeah, I, I was very confused until we got to that part. And I'm like, ah, I see. Yeah, that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much more sad now. <laughs> I also noticed a couple of things. It's, it's been mentioned by Matt that the manga has some pacing issues that the movie seems to have ironed out, which I... I agree with in large part, though I also can't help but notice, and my preference is definitely 100% towards the movie's style of not, I, I feel like the manga takes the alternative too far. The movie and the manga approach telling the story in somewhat different ways where the movie um, leans into the fact that it is animated and in motion to um, let moments breathe um like organically, whereas the manga is more inclined. It, it's more inclined to reinforce um, elements that are like visual with the narration boxes that <laughs> kind of went too far, especially in the middle of this reading. But, you know, those two methods, I think, complement each other. And then one thing I couldn't help but notice, and this is just the, the most random thing I, I, I picked up on when I was watching the movie, but the manga uses the period accurate term of consumption for what uh, Tanjiro's would-be assassin had, whereas the movie calls it tuberculosis, which it's not a mistake by any means. Tuberculosis has always been what it's been called, but it was more often at that time called consumption. And I just noticed that, like, it's more accessible for a movie audience to know what tuberculosis is as opposed to know what the period term for that disease was. Which just kind of goes to show that, you know, sort of element of, you know, the manga is the layer deeper than the accessible animated version. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, Jay, you guys have any uh, thoughts on the movie compared to the manga you want to share? My big thing was just the pacing, as everyone's already commented on. Mm-hmm. I much, much more preferred the pacing of the anime, though. And obviously it was very I had been familiar with Lisa prior to, you know, this newest breakthrough hit mm-hmm. so i was really excited that she did the ending theme and i was like yes oh if, if you well, if you've experienced literally any anime you've heard a lisa yeah. song yeah <laughs> and if you haven't i want to know what sort of incredibly niche prescribed anime diet you've been put through 
Or or you only watch the old stuff because uh, you're one of those kinds of hipsters. Well, Sam, I actually only listen to dubs that are done by companies that can't afford the music rights, so they replace it with public domain songs. <laughs> or I've seen a lot of anime tuned to Old MacDonald Had a Farm. Or Real Big Fish. Or Real Big Fish. <laughs> Real Big Fish, they had to commission a song for, so that's actually more expensive. <laughs> uh uh anyway uh thus brings us to the end of the episode thank you everyone once again for uh joining us on the over manga cast as always you can follow us on every social media where we are at over manga cast uh twitter for our posts uh facebook for the, the more of the same uh instagram for instagram things i, I don't know i don't use instagram <laughs> uh drop us a comment on youtube and uh like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah, like, comment, and subscribe. It's the best way of uh, directly getting a conversation going with us. And always, uh, if you want to really help us out, uh, you can leave a review for us on iTunes or your uh, podcatcher of choice. Um, they're all good. iTunes is unfortunately the biggest name, so it's the best if you can. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, drop us a review. Uh, we love to hear from you. And uh, join, well, not Jake and I, we're actually busy, but join Matt and Jay next week and a special guest for Mashal Magic and Muscles, chapters 1 through 39. I look forward to hearing this episode later and finding out about the Muscle Wizard and if he will cast Fist. <laughs> yep, looking forward for it. Uh, see you guys next week. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>